welcome to the Weekly Stuff Podcast with Jonathan Lack and Sean Chapman. We are here as always to talk about stuff this week with the sounds of a dryer going on in the background. Yes. Well, we all have to wear clothes, Jonathan. We do. And you know, sometimes schedules are tight. Yeah. Podcasting time and drying of clothes time can overlap. I mean, I think like, you know, there's always someone drying the clothes, Jonathan. There is. Absolutely. It, It always overlaps. Indeed. But from a global perspective. Yeah. So I don't think it's very loud on the mic. Hopefully. But there will be... I. It'll be funny because our dryer makes an incredibly loud beeping noise when it's yes. done, which I think is kind of funny. So you'll get to experience that firsthand. Yeah. I hope everyone's excited. It's the most exciting piece of immersion we've ever had on the podcast. I think it'll be the best moment this podcast has ever had. Okay. Great. We're aiming for a high bar. So we are back, uh, actually after one week, which is pretty good yeah, for us. It feels wrong It does feel wrong. But yeah, we're trying to get maybe back into a more settled schedule here. So a little more of a normal episode this week. So we've got a little bit of stuff, a little bit of news to talk about at the beginning of the show. We've got a main topic this week that's going to be uh, something that I think has been a long time coming in terms of something we should be talking about, and that's kind of the state of the new generation video game consoles. Yes. So we've obviously covered the uh, Xbox One and the PS4 and the Wii U heavily over the last couple of years on the show, mm-hmm. and but we really haven't talked about those consoles in depth maybe since they came out or when there's been big controversies or something. Yeah. But now we're a year into both the PS4 and Xbox One, a couple of years into the Wii U, I think we have a good feel for these systems. Uh, at this point, and I want to check in on them and kind of update previous thoughts, provide new thoughts, just talk about these consoles a little bit more. Yeah. So, sound good, Sean? Sounds good to me. Yes. All right, so let's just, a little bit of at the start, any stuff going on you want to talk about? No, not really. Not just, really? Yeah. Okay, I have a couple short things. The first, I put it on the outline because I was going to make a tweet about this, but I thought it would be better podcast material. Okay. And I wanted to say this on the air because I really need to ask someone for help about this. This is a weird psychological issue. I'm okay. Having. I don't know what this is because no, I can't you don't. really read it, the, the outline from here. No, no, no. So. You, And it wouldn't make sense to you anyway. Okay. So I, this is not related to movies or anything. But okay. okay. So I've had an issue. This is the first couple weeks of the school semester, right? Yes. And that means I feel like I'm introducing myself to people a lot. Yes. I have to say my name. And, you know, sometimes, I don't know, I go to a restaurant or something and I buy something. They're like, all right, what's your name for the order? And I'll say my name. Yes. So I've just been saying my name a lot recently, and okay. I've gotten really self-conscious about the length of my name. <laughs> I mean, your it's, last name only has one syllable. No, 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 it's my first name. It's yeah, Jonathan. I, when I say, and I, it's happened on the podcast, too. When I say my first name, I'm worried it's too many syllables. It's only three syllables, Jonathan. I know, and it, it's weird. Like, I get to the end of it, and I'm like, that took too long. This person's judging me. What's go- is this, does this point to some bigger issue? I think it points to that you're an idiot. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I mean, luckily, if this is bothering you that much, Jonathan, your name does have, like, a built-in, it does. societally accepted shorter version that at any point you could simply just embrace and say, like, fuck it, I'm just John now. Just call me John. I, I could do that. That sounds weird, too. I don't know. I have some weird social anxiety thing. Well, it's that like is- John too short. Do you want to have a two-syllable name? Is that the sweet spot? Maybe, like, Barry. Barry sounds like a good one. Well, you know, I mean, I think it would be kind of weird, but you can legally change your name. Like, there are there are mechanisms in place in our society as it exists today that you can take care of this problem. Can Jonathan be shortened to, like, Jimmy? Like, does that? I don't know. No. Okay, no? No, because right. Jimmy is a longer version of Jim, which is a shorter version of James. So That's people that go by Jimmy anyways, they're being very illogical in their name. They are. Well, but they're having the same. They're having similar problems. They're upset about the length of their name. 
I don't. This is this. That's madness. That's it is. It's weird. I probably need to talk to like, like a therapist. Jonathan, you're or fucking about twenty-two this. years. Like you've you've de- dealt with this for a long time now. Like how how is this an issue now? It feels like you would have like dealt with it before this point. I don't know. I this it's it's probably indicative of something larger going on. Yeah. I don't know. It's really weirding me out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Maybe that, you should just like instead just say fuck it and refer to yourself always by your full name to just make it even longer. Okay, just go the complete opposite direction. Maybe like that'll middle name too, like yeah, the whole thing. Sure, okay, yeah. all right, go for it. Tack a the first out on the end. Sure, okay. Give yourself some bullshit title like Esquire at the end. <laughs> what is Esquire? What's the what is I, that? I'm not entirely sure. Okay. I think it's a legal thing. I'm not sure. That would have come up in like English class at some point. It's why it has nothing to do with... I don't know, Victorian literature or something? It's, no? no, it has nothing to do okay. with it. Either. Yeah, no. <laughs> Alright. I'm going to shift into movie discussion. Okay. There's a movie Jonathan I want to talk Lack. about. Go so ahead. I just... No, don't say it! You're getting me on edge now. Anyway, so... Jonathan... Uh, I published a feature on the site today, jonathanlack.com. When I say it in the form of a dot .com, <laughs> now you okay. have That's the name of your fucking website, too. I know. I know. Anyway, on jonathanlack.com, I published a feature today. This is on a movie... Called Horace, Prince of the Sun, and I wanted to highlight it really quickly here. Have you heard of this film, Sean? No. Okay, it's an anime film from 1968, which officially that's, makes this the yeah, oldest old. I've ever yeah. seen. This was the first film by Isao Takahata, who is one of the major directors at Studio Ghibli, one of the co-founders alongside Hayao Miyazaki. And I had heard of this film a lot. In I've obviously done a lot of research on these two directors yeah. uh, in the past. And this film comes up all the time because this was a huge landmark at the time for Japanese animation. But I never really could kind of comprehend what its impact was. There isn't a lot of Western scholarship on it. uh, In part because the movie has never been available in North America commercially. Well, that changed. Uh, One month ago this week, this uh, Discotheque Media released a DVD of Horace, Prince of the Sun. Discotheque has slowly but surely been putting out some of Miyazaki and Takahata's earlier work. Which is actually a really important phase of their careers um, that that would be really great to get a lot more of that out here. And they've put out the first loop in the third TV series they worked on. They just put out Sherlock Hound, Hayao Miyazaki's TV series. Hmm. Uh, Hayao Miyazaki's first movie, Loop in the Third, Castle of Cagliostro. And at the same time, they put out this, Horace, Prince of the Sun. And I watched it the other night. I've had the DVD for a couple weeks. Finally had a night where I felt like I wanted to watch a movie, and this was the one I wanted to watch. And I wanted to talk about this because this is probably the most important, like, Animated movie certainly you've never heard of. Maybe one of the most important films in world cinema. Um, This was a huge paradigm shift for Japanese animation. As I'm sure some of you probably know, in the 1960s, like anime starts in the 50s. Yeah, like Astro Boy. Right. It's into the 60s, and the original paradigm for animated features at least was a very Disney kind of Western animation thing with talking animals and songs and Western adventures. Bullshit. Yeah. Not that's not anime as we define it, right? Yeah, no. Yeah. There's no like super moves. No. There's no like just people yelling at each other constantly. There's no like weird prolonged prolonged like discussions on some obscure philosophy or anything. Yeah, and it's pretty much just it was an imitation of more Western art yeah. than anything else. Um, because obviously at that time in the world, the only big viable commercial animation industry was America, and let's be honest, it was Walt Disney. Um, you know, Warner Brothers had periods of dominance, but never in films or yeah. anything like that. Even though, that's too bad when I think about yeah. it. Yeah, Looney Tunes are so great. Yeah, Looney Tunes is like, yeah, fuck, fuck Mickey Mouse. 
Someday Looney Tunes appreciation episode here on the show. That'd be yeah. great. Anyway, Horace Prince of the Sun is important. It comes out in 1968. Uh, it was directed by Isao Takahata, animated in part by Hayao Miyazaki and a team of a bunch of other of Toei's most important uh, big-name artists who would go on to be big animators in their own right uh, over the next you know 30 years or so. Um, and that alone kind of makes it a curiosity, like I wanted to see yeah, it, because yeah. this is an inception point for so many careers. It's crazy. Um, but then you watch the movie. I, I, I just, I wrote about it, and I'm talking about it here because I want to highlight this, because this is one of those things where it's like, if you saw like a Citizen Kane or something, mm-hmm. some really big game-changing movie, or the 400 Blows, like French New Wave Cinema, and you realize that it's not a movie that's talked about somehow, even though it had this huge shift, you'd want to like evangelize that. Yeah. It's a weird thing. So this movie has um, some elements definitely of it is in the 1960s Japanese animation context. It has kind of a Disney look to some of it. It has songs and it had not like musical numbers but it does have songs. It does have talking animals. It's very westernized because that's what was popular at the time. But over the course of this only 82 minute movie which encompasses more than that should be able to they basically subvert every trope that existed in animation up to that point, and it's pretty jaw-dropping. Like, this was the introduction of basically psychological realism into anime. It was the introduction of all these new stylistic tenets, including it has it's a widescreen anime movie. Mm. I've never seen that. Yeah. Like, full anamorphic widescreen anime movie, has dynamic camera movements, all this interesting stuff. Really interestingly complex story underneath this kind of simple archetypal layer. Um... The main character is Horace, who is kind of this seemingly prototypical male anime hero who yeah. really is a little more complex than that. And then the co-star is this woman named Hilda, who basically is the prototype for, I would say, every major female character in any Studio Ghibli movie, but also kind of just the the paradigm for complex anime characters going forward. That was kind of the introduction point. <laughs> and they talk about a lot of this. The DVD is great, because it looks great, sounds great, and it's got all these extras that go into the context. But it is such an amazing movie. I, I think I wrote about it better than I can talk about it. But it's one of those things where there are parts where your jaw is just kind of dropped because you're watching something that was incredibly radical at the time, very revolutionary, kind of dangerous for the people who made it to make because it is allegorical to the labor disputes going on in Japan at the time and at Toei that Miyazaki and Takahata were actually heading up. Hmm. And it was such a kind of fraught situation and Toei got so mad at them for all that they pulled the film from release after 10 days in theaters and all of the people involved in the movie left at a certain point from Toei over the next, like, two years. So, you know, I just, I always, I'm fascinated by those movies you find that had some kind of radical impact on cinematic history. Yeah. And they still hold up, like, you still watch them and you feel that radicalism to mm-hmm. them. Um, I just think those are always some of the most interesting movies to me. And so, you know, this is not a film that is going to go, I think on the shelf next to a Grave of the Fireflies or Princess Mononoke on the level of pure quality, just totally objective. Yeah. But, man, in terms of impact, you watch this and you're just kind of seeing decades of history being written at the time it's being made. And I just find those kind of things so interesting. Yeah. So I wanted to highlight that. But yeah. It's unfortunate, however, that they chose the name Horus for him, drawing from Egyptian mythology, but then placing him in a Norse setting. Yeah. It's... I don't... A tragic error. This is what what you're referring to is on yes. the on the box it says Little Norse Prince. That's because um, this was known in the Western world for a long time as Little Norse Prince Horus. That's not this is not Nordic. This is not Well, but yeah, but like yeah. all the other like as I was just looking at the back right. of the box and all the other human character names are not Egyptian. No. Yeah, it's a little weird. So 
I don't know where the little it's north. It's like it's like Nausicaa, where it's just like, yeah. why did you, what, why did you just like randomly pick this name drawn from the Odyssey with like no clear yeah. reason? Well, they have all these. I mean, there's a lot of Western like classical literature allusions in their early work, which is an interesting kind of thing. But yeah, yes. I mean, the the title, the actual title of the movie in Japanese is The Great Adventure of Horus, Prince of the Sun. Um, so I don't know when that Little Norse Prince thing got introduced, but it was how this film was known for a long time before it was ever actually seen over here. So I do like on that DVD box cover that, that like Lord, Little Norse Prince title is just like in super plain font, just like in parentheses above the actual title. It's like, yeah... Here you go. Like, yeah. I guess this is another title for the movie that you might know it by. But anyway, I just think this is an amazing DVD release that we got this at all. This is a $17 release. It's super cheap. You should mm-hmm. get it. It's great. Um, this is a movie that should be, like, taught in film schools and stuff. It is that level of, like, influential. And if you're interested in film history in that way, it's kind of essential viewing. And just, I found it so fascinating last night watching this movie. Well, cool. So anyway, yeah. Uh, other thing to talk about. Sean, I finally yes. started playing Far Cry 4. Congratulations. Yes. And, you know, I thought, you know, this game's good. It's kind of fun. I don't, you know, maybe it's not great. It's kind of pretty so far. And then I got the elephant riding perk. Right, yes. And I freed an outpost by running an elephant through it and just... And it did that... You know how when you finish an outpost and you kill the last dude, it goes to, like, the... Yeah, it, like, slows down and, like, yeah, yeah, the the, the color palette changes and, like, zooms out. It's like, boom! Like, outpost eliminated. It did that with my elephant fleeing a guy and a truck into the air. Yeah, nice. And it was... And then I was like, all right, I'm in. Yeah. This game's really good. Yeah, like it's a definitely Far Cry. It's a game that, like, when you you have the slow process while you're playing it of like you slowly realize all the things you can do because there's like you know so many games and like game developers talk about like oh there's a million ways to approach any scenario and it's like oh we built it blah 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 and mostly that's kind of bullshit or like there's only one way that actually works and there's right. like a thousand other ways. It's like I could try this, but it would suck. With, like, Far Cry 3 and 4, it absolutely is true that it's, like, you can approach any situation in, like, 500 different ways, and they're all viable, and they're, only, and they're all fun to do in their own unique way. Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so if you heard Sean, uh, our show last week, this was Sean's Game of the Year. Yes. And I can see why. It is... I'm still kind of getting into it, because it's one of those open-world games that is so big and has so much to do, it's still a little daunting to me. Yeah, you have to really sort of, like, pick your objectives and, like, just, yeah. like... Yeah, like like kind of mainline stuff that you want to do and ignore some yeah. of the other stuff until you have like time to take care of it. Right, but it's definitely it's it's not the watchdog syndrome of like, oh god, there's so much to do and I don't want to do any of it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> this is definitely all fun. So I'm having a good time with that. I'm still waiting to do the thing where I load an elephant up with C4 and send it into a compound. Yeah, haven't quite figured out uh, how best to do that yet, but yeah, we'll get there. You need to get the. Uh... Sticky C4 is an upgrade okay. you could buy at one point. Nice. When do I get the Terminator 2 shotgun? Um, that's a little... Like, if you go into the shop and, like, look at the uh, special weapons... Yeah. There's, like, the Terminator 2 shotgun is in there. And, like, I don't remember what you have to do, but, like, all those signature weapons have specific prerequisites of, like, clear five outputs posts to unlock this or do three assassination missions. So it's, like, you just, like, look... To see what you need to do to unlock that gun, and then you can just like go for those objectives and unlock it as fast as you want. I will say my favorite thing I've done in that game so far is probably I've done one assassination mission. Yeah, and I really wasn't powerful enough to tackle it at the time I did it. But I definitely that's when I learned the thing you're talking about about you can approach this in a million different ways. 
there was a whole series of runs I because it took me forever to finish it. Mm-hmm. The whole series of runs I did where I used Molotov cocktails and tried to burn the whole place down. Yeah, the fire system. Yo, it's is so one, great. It's like it just makes you wish that that was in every game. Yes. you know, because it's just allowed. It introduces this incredible element of chaos. That's yes. like just shit fucking lights on fire, man. Well, and I learned that the hard way. Where in after that first, so when the game starts in the prologue, the prologue kind of ends with you in a car trace having to yeah. run away. And I ended up because I still haven't really figured out the driving in this game. It's Super awkward. I, I would recommend going into the controls and switching the controls to classic on driving, okay. which makes it more like a driving game where the right trigger is accelerating. Oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, by default they have a kind of Halo style, but which doesn't first work person. for first person. Yeah. yeah, they they do that to make it slightly easier for you to aim and drive at the same time. But I don't think it's a problem with the classic controls. Okay, good. Then I'm going to try that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know there were control options. That's awesome. But anyway, so what was I saying? So yeah, and I wasn't very good at driving yet. And I drove the truck off the road, and because this game takes place in a mountainous region, I just yeah. fucking rolled downhill, and it exploded with me in the car And I, as I was kind of jumping out, and I caught on fire, and it's like, you know, press triangle to put out the yeah, fire! Yeah, you're like, because you, it's great too, because it, like, when you get lit on fire, your movement speed increases also, yeah. so it's like, it creates this really frantically, and you can't shoot or anything when you're on fire, so you're just like fucking sprinting, and your hands are popping up, and it's on fire, you're like, hold triangle, and you're like patting your arms, it's like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. So, like, by the time I was done putting myself out, like, half the forest was on fire, and I had to run away from the fire because yeah. it's spreading. It it's was crazy. so great. It's such an amazing system. Yeah. That's that's awesome. It's like when you first saw, like, the physics-based shooting in Grand Theft Auto 4, and you're yeah. like, I want to be able to do this in every game. Yeah. It just, like, makes it so much more satisfying. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other game I got, uh, I was not planning on playing this game anytime soon, but there was a sale on Amazon for Pokemon Omega Ruby for right, 25 yes. bucks. Nintendo games never go on sale, period. Yeah. But let alone for that big a discount, it's almost half off. So I'm like, well, I'd like to look at this game one day, and that's such a low investment cost. I'll do that. Yeah. Um, so I got Pokemon Omega Ruby, and I'm about two hours into it right now. It's bizarre. It's a little bizarre to me, because they it's in the X and Y style, which if you've played those games or seen the videos, is like 3D, yeah. very detailed. And if you played X and Y, what made those games so much fun is they're really like big worlds. They made the game a whole lot bigger to kind of fit with that new 3D aesthetic, mm-hmm. where it wasn't just little grid towns with two buildings anymore. It was like these big metropolises, and the gyms were really big. They're like you know big puzzles and whatnot. Yeah. And it was kind of cool on that level. It felt like a much more immersive world. This is in that graphical style, and it looks really nice, and it sounds really nice, and all of that. They haven't done a goddamn thing to the design of Ruby and Sapphire, so you're still in these little grid-based towns that have like two houses, yeah, like five, yeah, like and, a poker center, a, a shop, yeah. a gym, and like two houses with right. like one person living in each of them. So it's that still. The inside of the buildings is a little cooler. I have not done the first gym yet, and maybe they've made the gym cooler, but that was one of the big fun things about X and Y is the gyms were more like little mini puzzles that you had to get through. Yeah. That's not what they were in Ruby and Sapphire. Ah, oh, there it goes. Hey, yep. It's the best moment in the history of this podcast. It's right there. Alright. It's all downhill now. Indeed. So anyway, yeah, it's it's just bizarre to me because I'm going through this and I can move diagonally and in like all directions now, but it looks like a grid. It's so... <laughs> That's, yeah. But it's in 3D. It's like... It still feels like, because what's nice about those visuals is they make you want this kind of big, expansive space, as 3D games offer us. Yeah. But it's so clearly based on this little grid. And I, I know Ruby and Sapphire really well from back when I was a kid and would play those games obsessively. And so it's like, 
they've, guys have done nothing into the design to the degree where in X and Y they combined the Pokemon Mart and the Poke Center because, and it just made sense. Like, yeah, you yeah, have these big buildings convenient. inside. Yeah. They're separated again. Stuff like that. It's, they've taken over a couple of little things from X and Y, like experience shares there. And I, that's I not a little thing. That's a big thing that makes these games, that should have always have been there. It makes the game so much more fun yeah. to play. Because you can kind of use whatever Pokemon you want without worrying about leveling. That's really nice. Um, so it's kind of fun on that level. But uh, down to stuff like they haven't increased the number of Pokemon you'll see in the rare in the gra- in the tall grass. So there's this new feature that's really nice where it's it's on your Pokedex and it's just on the lower screen as you're going through that'll tell you when you've seen all the Pokemon in this area. That's really helpful. Yeah. But it's like three Pokemon in every area. Yeah. And they're the same three. It's and like, yeah, you saw Swallow and Zigzagoon and one other Pokemon in the area. Yeah. It's like, great. Same and that thing was, with the next area. And, and that's what ultimately area. drove me away from Pokemon in the next couple generations after this one, was just I got tired of the repetition of the Pokemon you see. Yeah. X and Y, very smartly, basically any time you got to a new area or part of the map, it was all new Pokemon. You're, you were constantly encountering new ones. They, they you know went into the long roster of Pokemons, Pokemans, I don't know. Pokemon, Pokemon, yeah, and they haven't. I don't know. It's it's a really lazy remake to me so far, which I think is kind of funny. I don't know. Yeah. What what starting Pokemon did you pick out of the uh, three ones that none of them are any good? Well, it's kind of funny because you know I have I like Torchic, but I've seen Torchic too much over the years because that's the one they always bring back. So I'm like, I don't want to play huh. Torchic anymore. Like I had Torchic in X and Y and whatever. Um, so I picked Trico. Yeah. Trico's cool, the best. but even yeah. though the grass Pokemon are the worst in terms of like yes. all their moves suck, right. Trico is the only one that I look at him. I'm like, if if Pokemon really existed, I would like to have that Pokemon because he's cool. Yeah, like Med- Mudkip and Torchic are fucking dumb and lame. Yeah, so I got Trico. Um, yeah, I was kind of I got to that screen. And I'm like, oh, that's not a very good selection here. Yeah, yeah. Really, guys, if you want to open it up. When you with your new Pokemon games, just offer all starting Pokemon. Like for for their starters, just like here's all thirty starting Pokemon, and then we can pick the three from Red and Blue. Exactly. That's what I was gonna say. It's like the reason why they don't do that is because nobody's gonna pick any of the other starting Pokemon. Like there might be a couple of people who will pick the ones from Gold and Silver. I like Totodile. Those ones, yeah, Totodile. Chikorita is cool. Yeah, and what's the Cyndaquil? Yeah, yeah. All three of those. Those are solid starting Pokemon. Not yes. as good as the originals, obviously. But still respectable choices. Yeah. But any ones after that, it's like, nope. Nuh-uh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, so that's just my experience. I just thought that was funny. I'm looking at this game, and it's like, at a certain point, I almost just, like, if I'm going to play it, I almost want to play the GBA version, because that at least looks more natural. Yeah. Because it's a grid on an actual grid-based, like, graphical system. Yeah. It's also just kind of weird at some point that they're remaking Pokemon games. Yeah. You know, since, like... I, like I don't know, like Pokemon game. Obviously, X and Y made some pretty like for a Pokemon game made like the most significant changes that franchise has ever seen. But still, like the core of the game is still stuck in the like gym structure yes. and like the the fire and water and grass type and like all that shit. Like four moves, six Pokemon, all that shit is still the same. It's like you don't need to go back and remake the no, old ones. Like there's no, it's not like there's like oh I really need to experience the story from the ruby and sapphire one. And there are little quirks I like about each region, except some of them. But you know, it's like 
it is a weird thing where, as you say, you don't really need to remake them. I would always be much more interested in them just making a new one yeah. with whatever they want to do with that. But you know Pokemon fans, they want to play the old games over and over, and it's weird. It's a bizarre... Yeah, because the only ones you need to play are the original, and then maybe <laughs> Gold and Silver. Like, X and Y were really good. Sure. I, I will Because you can get like the good Pokemon in X and Y... I will, yeah, I will okay. concede, even though I haven't played X and Y, I will yeah. concede that point to you. Alright, so let's go ahead and move on. Let's go on a couple of little news points here. Uh, nothing too big this week uh, in terms of stuff I think we want to talk about here. Uh, and it, it all kind of ties into the new generation console stuff, so this will be like a little preamble. Yeah. I think the big stuff from this week was obviously Microsoft unveiling more about Windows 10. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of really cool stuff here. We're obviously not a tech podcast, but yeah. I am looking forward to Windows 10. It looks like mm-hmm. a nice improvement. I like that they're giving it out for free because that yeah. means there will actually be a big user base for this version of Windows, mm-hmm. which is good. Um, but one of the interesting things here is the Xbox integration. Uh, I definitely did not expect to see the announcement that all Xbox One games will be streamable to your Windows 10 PC yeah. or tablet. That's a really interesting choice. What do you think about that? It's one of those things that I'm curious to see how well it works because right. game streaming is still not... Like, it's kind of getting there. Like, I messed around with PlayStation Now a little bit when that came out, and it's, like, functional, but it's, like, not quite there. It's, like, the same thing with remote play, where it's, like, remote play is really nice in, like, very specific circumstances, but, like, in general... It's like it's not quite responsive that I would like to play a game like that for a long period of time. So yeah. it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see, like, you know, I feel like we're like making these slow steps to making game streaming something that's more, you know, feasible. Yeah, definitely. I would hope this may work better than some of those other attempts because you'll you will have a PC to play it on, and maybe you can hook up a real controller or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, I don't know why you wouldn't just play it on your console, but. It is interesting. I mean, one of my problems with, for instance, remote play on the Vita is that I don't, I still haven't really encountered a game that controls well that way. Because I feel like a yeah. game made for console controls, the Vita controls are really nice, but like those sticks are not made for a first-person. Yeah, shooter. I mean, really, the only game I played on remote play for like significant periods of time on the PS4 was that Strider game because that like controls perfectly fine. Like the latency is low enough that it doesn't really bother that game. Yeah. you're right. Like any sort of like complex 3D game does not work that well, especially anything that's like a first-person shooter is just like. Possible. And they've made some good attempts. Assassin's yeah. Creed Four worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Destiny. especially if you're just doing stuff that's like not intensive. You know, yeah. it's a nice. It's a like the thing I like about remote play is that it's very nice if like you're otherwise preoccupied or like you can't use the TV and you just want to like get some collectibles or something. You can yeah. just do that really quick. But, you know, it's to me it's not a system seller. Like, I wouldn't say choose the PS4 over the Xbox One for that. Yeah. And I, that's still the case, probably, with the mm-hmm. Windows 10 stuff. What might be more interesting is their somewhat increased focus on PC gaming, it looks like. Which yeah. really is just kind of bringing some Xbox stuff over. But looks like they're, they're looking into some cross-buy stuff. So, kind of Microsoft looking at, well, what do we have to compete with these other ecosystems yeah. like Sony that have all these cross-buy, multiple-platform stuff. And I think they've probably probably made a wise move looking at Windows as a potential. Yeah, although there. like the other side of that is just like I feel like most people who would be using a PC to play video games, like why would you even like like obviously if you have a like a bad PC then like the game streaming thing is an option there, but like 
most people who are playing games on PCs, your PC is going to be better than the Xbox One at playing the game. And there are snobs who wouldn't want to use the Xbox. Sure. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, but I mean, but like legitimately, I, like yeah. the game would be running at a higher frame rate and a no, higher resolution. Yeah, it would be. But that was like the first comment on every article I read about this is you know, sure, PC yeah. Master Race bullshit because that's. But it is something that it's like it's not as useful as having cross buy on something where you have like the portable system. And I agree. I agree region, totally. Yeah. I I love that kind of stuff on, you know, because I still probably you know for a lot of those games that are cross buy with in the Sony ecosystem, I yeah. use my Vita more for those. Mm-hmm. That's just more convenient, and I like yeah. having it there. Um, that's all very nice. But yeah, anything else from all the Microsoft news stick out at you? Not really. I didn't pay super close attention to it. Yeah. Because like, PC OS stuff is not that interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's always something where it's like, it's probably going to be pretty shitty when it comes out, and then you wait for like the point one update, and then it's going to be really good. Yeah, like I'm not going to update to this on launch day or anything yeah, like yeah. that. But And honestly, it's one of those things where I'm interested more of some of the like nitty gritty productivity stuff on it like Mm -hmm. I like how they've redone some of the start menu stuff other than that like their big announcements are stuff about like their Cortana system or their new hologram thing which I haven't really read about yeah I don't really I don't really care nonsense they have an 84 inch 4k touchscreen for businesses or something I don't really know what that's for and everyone's making this isn't even specifically related to that but everyone's making TVs curved now and nobody has explained at what point curving a TV screen is good. What it's supposed to do is make it look more like a theater. What they're forgetting is most theaters don't curve their screens anymore. Yeah. That's a really old thing. Yeah, that's like yeah, if you were are fucking like 100 years old and remember going to theaters in the 50s, maybe. Yeah. And, curve, and curving screens is, as you say, it's for anamorphic widescreen and cinemascope. It's not for flat, which is 16 by 9, yeah. which is what these TVs are in. So the curve is much more accentuated than you get on an actual theater screen mm-hmm. at that aspect ratio. So no, I don't know. Yeah, and then is. like curving the screen obviously like reduces the, the viable viewing angles drastically on the screen. So it's just like... Well, the thing is, I've been to Best Buy and I've seen some of these TVs. They're beautiful TVs. They look great. Yeah. Um, it it doesn't reduce the viewing angle in the sense of there's diminished resolution, but it is weird if you're not in the like sweet yeah, spot. It, yeah, like <laughs> the image is yeah. slightly distorted. Yeah. Like I've wondered, like it would be weird. I feel like to play a first person shooter on that because your gun would curve in the middle of the screen hmm. or something like that. I don't know. So yeah, that's yeah. old news. Anyway, tech industry flat like fucking 180 degree angles are fine. Flatten out our fucking TVs again. This is <laughs> nonsense. Indeed. Um, all right, so. Let's see. All right. So the other big thing is we did not have time to talk about this on last week's show, so kind of consider this a holdover thing. Uh, The Halo 5 Guardians beta uh, was live for about three weeks from the end of December to mid-January, and it ended right as we were recording that podcast last week. Uh, I played a significant amount of the Guardians beta over those three weeks. Um, Really had fun with it. Sean, how much did you play? Uh, Like a good amount. I would probably say like six to seven hours worth. So it's like not... Obviously, like, like compared to playing other Halo games, like, not even close, but enough to, like, form my opinions on it. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about those opinions. Um, neither of us have talked about it yet, so yeah. I really, really, really like the Guardians beta. I think there's some things they could even out and some things they could improve upon, which, because the game hasn't come out for seven or eight months, I'm yeah. glad that they did this now, yeah. and I fully expect they'll tweak things, and I, I don't think that's the final version. Um, for yeah. instance, just if you look at it graphically, it doesn't 
quite yeah, look, it doesn't pop. No, yeah. it's not quite up to par even with Halo 4 on the Xbox One. Mm-hmm. And what I think it probably is right now is I think a lot of the advanced lighting effects to me don't look like they're in place yet. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, yeah, like Halo 3 and Halo Reach both changed pretty drastically in the right. visuals between the beta and launch. So, so I just, expect that you know, to change. Things like that. But, you know, here's what I liked about Halo 5. Um, I went into it kind of with, I don't want to say low expectations, but hesitant expectations because just, you know, I don't know if this trend of the hyper-movement and stuff would work for Halo for me. I was kind of worried about that. It sounded like maybe this was too big a change. And at first, I really had a little trouble acclimating to the Halo 5 beta. It took a couple of matches and honestly a couple of days to, for me to even get good at it. I couldn't quite get a kill at the beginning or anything. Um, but once I got used to it, I really like what they did here. I feel like they found a really nice sweet spot between modernizing some elements. So you have constant sprint, you have some other little movement abilities... Um, and the game flows a little bit faster, um, but it still feels like Halo to me. They didn't go full Call of Duty and have it be one-shot kills everyone, and you're constantly dying and respawning. It doesn't feel like that to me. It does feel like there's some strategy involved in kills. You can recover from being shot and go back and find things, but it's also, you know, you're not a god in this. They've done little nice balancing things, like when you're running, your shields don't recharge. Just little things to kind of keep the balance in place. Uh, I think the shooting is really tight. I, the gun selection so far, I liked. Um, aiming down sights was probably the big controversial thing going into this. And I thought it worked well because you can ignore it if you want to. And you can, you know, do reasonably well. But if you want to use it, I actually think it's helpful on some of those guns that didn't used to have that. And, um, you know, it's not intrusive while, to me, still adding some stuff to the game. And it's just, it's it's a good-looking game so far. Even as we said, it's probably going to improve. Yeah. Good sounding. The sound design is still fantastic obviously they're using a lot of those halo 4 assets i think Mm -hmm. and halo 4 is the best sounding game i've ever played by a pretty wide margin still i think so that's pretty nice um i really like the maps and overall i just like the flow of the matches i think this is in a lot of you know i I don't want to make any concrete judgment on it so far because i'd want to play the full multiplayer suite yeah but definitely i think this is a nice step up from halo 4 certainly which kind of took the franchise off the rails in a couple of ways um you know, I saw it described in some places as it feels a little bit like Halo 2 or 3 with, you know, just a lot faster. And I think that's true. It feels like a nice arena shooter again where you can go in, you're kind of on equal terms. Um, and each match to me just... I had more fun on a match-to-match basis with this than I've had with Halo probably since, you know, 3 or Reach. Um, and on that purely match-to-match basis because there isn't some big leveling system going on so far. Uh, probably since Halo 3 on that. So I liked it a lot. Yeah, I liked it. I I don't think I liked it nearly as much as you, and I have a lot of reservations about some of the design choices they made. I mean, it definitely, it's a huge step up from Halo 4's multiplayer. Like, you can tell that right away, just because there's, you know, they made some really key mistakes in the Halo 4 multiplayer design that only revealed themselves when you played the game enough to sort of, like, fully understand how they impacted the game. They just went too big with things. Yeah, and it, but it was, like, stuff like the ordnance drops and, like, I mean, all of that were, like, you know, weapon spawns were random. You getting, like, basically killstreak weapon spawns. That stuff was really bad. Like, that... It's, it was something that was, like, at first, if in Halo 4 multiplayer, it felt kind of fresh and new, and you're like, it was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And then you realize that the, how much that really kind of just destroyed the feel of a Halo game. And then also uh, the sort of the loadout system, I think, is, is always has always been something that's not appropriate for Halo, because it just, especially when Halo 4, like, went so far with it, where you're changing, like, you know, having everyone be able to spawn with plasma grenades or plasma pistols is not a great idea because then it's like well okay vehicles are now completely useless it's that kind of thing so 
stripping out those systems from Halo 4, I think that's a great idea. Like, bringing back static, like, noble weapon spawns on the map. Like, thank you. Like, fucking thank you. Getting rid of the killstreak stuff. Yes, like, obviously that needed to happen. But I don't necessarily love a lot of the things that they added to it. I think, one, like, I'm starting to, like... Now that it's been there since Reach in like a different, a few different forms, I'm starting to come down on I don't like Sprint in Halo, like I and especially after like having when you got the Master Chief Collection and being able to go back and play Halo Two and Halo Three multiplayer again when I hadn't like really gotten into it that much for a very long time, it reminded me of like, like I understand why people want Sprint because it's so expected now because it's in every single like almost like every single game regardless of it being a first person shooter. Because it is a very tactilely satisfying thing to be able to temporarily, like, increase your speed in a game. Like, that's nice. But I don't like how it changes the flow of the map match. And in particular in Halo 5, the beta, the thing I noticed it, like, really affecting that I really didn't like is that it really depowers and de-emphasizes uh, melees. Although particularly in Halo 5 because they try to fix what Halo 4 had, where Halo 4 had the opposite problem, where it made melees too powerful because you could just sprint up on a dude and melee him twice. Halo 5 puts in that system where if you try to melee when you're sprinting, you do that shoulder charge, which is useless. Like, that's just going to get you killed 90% of the time because it, it, there's too much of a delay and it's not a one-hit kill. So you can't sprint up and melee a guy because that's the, you'll do that shoulder charge and get you killed. So I felt like every time I was playing Halo 5, I wanted to stay further away from my opponent to keep the because like if you go within melee range because the kill to time or the time to kill is also significantly well not significantly but it's noticeably lower in Halo Five. I felt like every time you're trying to close in on a guy in that like sort of classic Halo fashion of where you're both like sprinting at each other and like chucking grenades and shooting each other to get in to melee to get the final hit, which is like the standard Halo confrontation when you don't both have battle rifles. Like that's kind of non-existent in Halo Five because the sprint just doesn't make that viable anymore, you know? I totally get that. Like, I've definitely gotten a bunch of kills with melee, but it's always... It's not quite in situations where I would normally expect it in yeah. Halo. Because it was definitely something that, like, I noticed when I was playing it, that it, it took me, like, three hours before I got my first beatdown. Yeah. Just because it was, like, every time I would go in for it, I would die. And so, like, I just learned, like, no, it's like, stay away and do not try to go in and do that sprint shoulder charge because it's just going to get you killed. I would definitely say it's a defensive maneuver now rather than an offensive one. Yeah. That's where I would usually get my beatdowns is if someone came up on me or snuck up on me, that's when I tended to get the beatdown medals. And that is a significant change. That's a I, that's a good observation. I hadn't necessarily... I was wondering if I was just bad at it with the running and melee. Yeah, I but. mean, yeah. Like, I, you just... Because, like, I just noticed, like, no one... Like, nobody melees because... Because, like, because it's almost a thing where it's, like, it feels like... The game, you know, it's not just Call of Duty, but so much of that stuff is taken from a Call of Duty-style shooter, where obviously, like, in Call of Duty, the melee operates very, very differently than it does in Halo, because it's just this one-hit kill with a much bigger range than the Halo melees do, and so, like, it feels like there's some sort of dissonance there where it's like you're kind of expecting it to have a sort of, like, Call of Duty-style melee, but it doesn't, because right. it's still Halo. So that, like, and, and I want to stress that I'm going to, like, come out with a bunch of complaints here that, like the core of the game is still very good so it's like but there's not a lot to talk about with that obviously. it moves well it shoots yeah. well it progresses yeah, exactly. well like, all that stuff is good it's not like you play and you're like oh what the fuck is this like yeah the, the shooting is like molasses or something it's totally fine in that regard 
but stuff like I think just like there's so many like most of like the movement additions I th- they made I think are just completely pointless. It's like, like that shoulder charge is useless. Like it's not like it feels like it's there to balance out melees, not to be a legitimate tactic. You know, like that ground pound thing is the exact same. Like I don't know how you possibly would kill someone. What's with the that. ground pound thing? It's when you're like hovering and then you press duck. You how do you can, hover? When you you jump and you aim down sights. Did you not notice oh. that that happened? That when you jumped and you were like aiming down scope, you're like these stabilizers, I think they call them, like pop out and you like hover there for a little bit? I guess the games are hectic enough that I did notice How that. How did really. you not notice that? I don't think I, I jump and down sights a lot. Like, I'm not, I don't play I, like that. I, it's like, I, did, I noticed it immediately because it's I, actually a thing that I don't like about the stabilizers is that it's a very common tactic that I use in a Halo game if I have like a battle rifle or something to like jump up above a lip and try to like pop dudes and then get down before they can hit me again. Yeah. But you can't, like that's just so much harder to do with those stabilizers because it keeps you hanging in the air. Yeah. So yeah, when you're hanging in the air, when you're aiming down sights and jumping, you can press duck and like gives you like this targeting thing and you can ground pound, but you don't want to do that. Like it's obvious that you didn't, it's obvious that it's a bad idea because you didn't even realize it could happen which obviously yeah, means that, that, like, nobody was doing it. I mean, is that really my problem as much as the games? Because that seems like an unnecessary thing that yeah, I just no, didn't that's, notice. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm saying. That it's like, it feels like there's there's all these weird systems they put in that you're just like, what? Well, and can Why I just, are these even here? Well, can I just say, like, this is the complaint. I, I talked about having some complaints before, and I do think there are some extraneous things where I think, depending on your playstyle of Halo, you're just never going to encounter a use for it. Yeah. Obviously that. I'm a precision weapon user in Halo, and I just don't... I guess I don't play like that, so I didn't notice it much. Now that I think about it, I know what you're talking about. Because there are times when I would aim down sights and jump, and I see what you're talking about now. I just hadn't consciously yeah. noticed it. The other one for me, the big one, is in default controls. When you press B, you have that like sideways movement thing. Yeah, the, the advanced I warfare never, dash. Yeah, I yeah. never really found a use for that, ever. Mm-hmm. That's just it's, not... it's Again, it feels like... I mean, obviously, it's not just taken from advanced warfare because those games were developing at the same time. But like, it does feel like something that's like... Like, my main problem with Halo 5 is that it feels like it has these systems that are pulled from a Call of Duty-style shooter, expecting it to be a Call of Duty-style shooter, when it's like, Halo's not. Like, it's just not. And I think that's the... Because Halo 4 had the same problem. That's like, you're trying to update it, but in trying to update it, you're just trying to, like, take... Like, it's this weird Frankenstein monster of a game. Where it's like, and again, it's not that it's terrible, it's just like, it's not as good as it could be. Where it's like, it's got, like, the core of Halo is, it's still absolutely a Halo game. Like, it's not a Call of Duty game. Because, you like, it's still, you know, people still have, like, shields. And the movement's still very different. But you're trying to take, like, the sprint, and now, like, the like the boost thingy. And, and you're trying to, like, take that and put it into the Halo mix. And it's like, it doesn't gel with the things that are already there. So here's like here's a good example of like those stabilizer or not stabilizer, the, the the boost thingy, like the side dash. One of the things that that does and then I feel like this is what must have happened is that I don't know if you noticed but the grenades in Halo 5, the frag grenades were immensely powerful compared to how they usually are in a Halo game. Like they kill people, like they do so much more damage. Huh, like, I had trouble do. using them. I, like, I, it was like a weird thing where I felt like I was getting no beatdowns but I was getting a huge ton of grenade kills which is okay. like the opposite where I because I always get beat because like meleeing people is a big thing that I do in Halo games because I like the close quarters stuff but the, the frag grenades are definitely more powerful and I feel like they're like that because if they weren't like if they, they have a much bigger explosive radius is basically what I mean and if they didn't have that 
Like, you would just be able to side dash out of the way or sprint out of the way of the explosion. So it's like, you put in these weird movement abilities that don't really fit into the Halo multiplayer sandbox particularly well, like the things that already are there. And so then you have to really fuck with the things that are already there that are like the established really important things about Halo or like how the grenades work and how melee works which are things that like how Halo does those two things is completely different from every other first person shooter like they function so differently that like you're fucking with those things to try to make this new thing work instead of making a new thing that works with the things that already exist you know yeah and it's a tough thing to balance those because yeah. and I you know I totally feel this there's definitely some rough edges around the sides yeah um, I will say I guess my response is that core does feel as tight as it's ever been to Halo for me like I really like how the shooting feels I really just like how it controls I feel like like I like the emphasis on as you say the arena maps and having the set weapon locks but I also yeah. just like the emphasis on you know the the perfect kill you know your four hits with the battle rifle to kill and I like that your bar you have your shield bar and then your health bar, which shows how many hits yeah. you're away from death. It just there's a lot of, I feel like a, just a nice tight precision at the core there. But you're right, it is kind of mired by some of those rough edges that just feel a little bit unnecessary, or like they're imposing something that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, like it's just like it's a, it's, it's like it's a bunch of things that I understand. It's a huge issue with Halo of like how do you it's update such an it? old series? Yeah, like like how do you what do you do with it to like keep it still Halo, but like put new stuff in there it's like it's a problem that I definitely sympathize with but it's just something that's like when I was playing the Halo 5 beta it was like I was enjoying it the whole time but like there, I didn't feel like the reason why I only played like 5 or 6 hours where it's like even, and I didn't have a huge amount of time to, to play it because like I came up here late and so like I was kind of here for the last week of the beta but I kind of I played it on like 2 days and then didn't even really play it. And then, like, the other day, I was thinking, like, oh, maybe I should give it another shot. And looked on, and it was like, oh, wait, it's, it's over. I was like, okay. Yeah. Like, I, di- I didn't, like, it wasn't like with the Halo 3 beta or the Halo Reach beta where I, like, had to play it, you know? Like, I played hours and hours and hours and hours of those. Just, like, in a huge, like, one setting. You're sitting just, like, play a huge number of matches where it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't do that with the Halo 5 beta. That it, it felt too... Popcorny, you know, like it didn't have the the sort of like the core awesomeness of Halo was not like there for me to just like have. It had like all these weird things where it's like the boost and the shoulder charge and the hover and the ground pound. There are all these really unnecessary additions that d- don't feel like 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 you said like you didn't even really use them. There's things that they're like they're not particularly useful. And they just kind of feel like they get in the way, if anything else. Like, yeah. it feels like you could take that stuff out, and you'd have a better game underneath it that doesn't have all these extraneous systems just weighing it down. And maybe you could find a way to rectify things like Sprint. Yeah. Because I don't think it's impossible that you could make Sprint work in a Halo game. I don't think it's impossible, but... Yeah. I just, yeah, like, I just don't particularly like it. Like, it just, like again, it was like when I was playing Halo 2 again. It's like, Halo has such a, like, methodical, deliberate pace to it. I feel like yeah. like the sprint just makes it too chaotic, you know? Like, there's something about, that. like, when you're playing Halo 2 or Halo 3... Like, it's, it's like Halo is a very tactical shooter, because, like, you know what everyone, like, has, potentially. Because you know everyone's starting weapons, and you know what's on the map. You know where the enemy spawns, basically. Like, so, when you play a lot of Halo, you get a feel for what the match is, and, like, like the push and pull of the match... 
and Halo reached, still had that, but diluted it somewhat with the armor abilities, made it so it was like it was kind of hard to tell. Like, if a guy had jetpack, like, they could just completely break the flow of the map, you know, in Halo Reach. And then Halo 4, that just went out the fucking window because everything was just madness in Halo 4. And Halo 5 brought a, a little bit back from what Halo 4 had. To be honest, a lot back. It doesn't have. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not. Yeah. It brought a lot back from what Halo 4 did. But things like the the sprint and like these weird fucking like that stabilizer thing and like the clamber which really changes like you can climb up stuff so much like you can climb up so many more surfaces in Halo 5 because you have that weird clamber ability I think also just like really stupid and extraneous that's like it's so hard to get a sense of like where people are and like where the flow of the match is and like I should also say that like I think this is just like my weird circumstances I only played on like three maps like and and most of them was like the same map over and over again. I think I just got bad luck. So it's like I played at least four hours of one map. So I should have in that amount of time been able to get a basic understanding of how like a match flowed on that map. And I could not feel that at all. I think I know the map you're talking about, and I thought it was the weakest. I think it's one of the Forge ones, right? Yeah, it was definitely a Forge one. Yeah, and that's one of the weaker ones. Um yeah, the other ones I thought were good. Let me talk a little bit about how the beta progressed, because I was sure. there for all three weeks. I actually kind of liked the purity of it at the beginning the most, because those two maps that they started with, the Mid-ship Midship Remake, remake yeah. and um, the other one called Empire, two great maps, really good arena maps, just, just really fun and tight, and I definitely was able to feel the flow of those. I don't think Empire was in there at all by the time you were playing, no, I never which is too bad. That, Empire's yeah. a really good Halo map. Um um, and it's other version two, uh, whatever it's called. They have these weird remix things. I don't know how that's going to work in the final yeah. version. But anyway, um, yeah, I there were some things they did over the course of the beta that I didn't quite like, and they were just probably testing balance things. But in the initial version, you started with an assault rifle and a pistol on both maps, right. and that feels like the right loadout for this Halo game because mm-hmm. the assault rifle works really well. It's kind of an all-purpose gun. You can use it in a lot of different scenarios. Yeah. It's it's really good. It's kind of it's a little more powerful than it's been before. Um, but it handles just really well. Um, does yeah, and, and all of the maps, we should say, like it was all Team Slayer stuff, so they're yeah. all small arena Team Slayer maps. Yeah, we haven't seen a big team. Yeah, so yet. like there's no, so yeah, so it's like even in like the older Halos, the standard on those maps were like assault rifle or SMG spawns, you know? Right. Uh, and then the pistol's nice because the pistol is like, I feel like this is the best balanced pistol they've had in a while where it's a really good balance between the like useless Magnum from 2 and 3 that I don't even know why yeah. it's in the game. And then the Halo 1 pistol, which why would you use anyone, anything else? Yeah. This is, it's not going to be all purpose, it, but in a jam, it'll do you really well, and then you can make something out of it, and it's a good sidearm to yeah, have. Yeah, I mean, it's very similar to the Reach in 4 pistols, right. where I feel like yeah. like when they got the Halo Reach, they kind of hit that sweet spot and kind yeah. of stuck with it. No, it's really good. Um, and So that's a good loadout, and then you would just find your precision weapons on the map, your battle rifle and your DMR, and you can kind of take your pick and use those or as your light. light rifle. Or your light rifle, yes, that was there. That was not there until the second week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you started so that, and that felt like a nice, clean, clear weapon set. You knew what people were going to have, all of that. That was really nice. Then, in the second week, they changed it so that your loadout was an assault rifle and a battle rifle. That yeah. was ludicrous. That is way too much power for everyone to have. 
And it just kind of though that kind of broke some of those maps to me where suddenly on midship you couldn't move around because someone just found a place where they could hit everyone with the battle rifle because mm-hmm. at that distance on that size of map it's like having a sniper rifle. Yeah. You know what? Are you going to miss with it? No, you're not. And it was also because that was what I played like it, on everything other than that like what like breakout mode or whatever. Mm-hmm. Everything I played had the assault rifle, battle rifle spawn. It was also really weird that they made the battle rifle the secondary weapon. This yeah. Is like what? Who, like, who the fuck are you kidding? Like, who's going to roll right. around with the assault rifle? Like, everyone's going to use the fucking battle rifle, of course. Which I think is a problem, because on those size maps, you don't want everyone to have the battle rifle. Unless yeah, exactly. you're playing a special yeah. mode, like SWAT, or uh, Slayer Pro, or something. Yeah. So that was a problem. Um, and then I think some of the other... Like, I wish they had kept some of the other maps around as they cycled them out. Um, but then they introduced some new modes. I think Breakout... I don't know what to think about Breakout. I My initial instinct is I don't like it, but I also didn't play a ton of it because I didn't really like it. I actually, I kind of liked it because okay. I like, I didn't love it, but I like, like weirdly, I felt like that mode, maybe because it's like more Call of duty than the other modes just because you have no shields, it actually kind of felt like, like the, like it worked better with like the sprint and that stuff because it was kind of, I mean, it was basically a counter-strike mode in that like everyone spawns and has one life. Right. And no shields. But that kind of integration of the speed elements is kind of what I didn't like about it because it just felt like you lost whatever the Halo-ness was. Yeah, exactly. Because it, like, it now emphasized the new components of the yeah. sort of like movement abilities that you had and sort of made those work, but at sacrificing like Halo. That's being said, I liked the visual design of some of those maps and I hope those are Forge elements yeah, we like can play Trani with. Yeah, like the Trani map. I'd yeah. love to see a cool Forge map made like that. I think someone could do something really cool with that. Yeah. Then there was a Territories-esque mode that I, I never thought played that. it was bad. It was not good. It was kind of a mix between Capture the Flag and Territories, but not as good as either one of them. It didn't feel quite so focused. I think the speed at which Halo 5 moves... And I don't think Halo 5 is a ludicrously fast game or anything. It's not Call of Duty. Um, but it's too fast for something that kind of specific to work where you have to stand somewhere for like 30 seconds to get things yeah. to work. It was just it was too chaotic, whereas, as you say... One of the things that made like you know modes like capture the flag and whatnot work in the past is that tactile nature, not tactile, tactical, uh, tactical nature of Halo. We've talked about tactile and tactical on this podcast. No, the tactical nature of Halo work, and um, they you know that's kind of it didn't it just didn't feel that in this mode. I would like to see an actual capture the flag mode or something because that could be kind of I think fun and crazy with this stuff. Mm -hmm. This mode just wasn't good. Yeah, I'm also curious to see like with. Like, like, because this is sort of still an open question, is stuff like, are they going to bring back all the modes that they, like, excised from Halo 4, like, like with, like, you know, like, one flag and stuff being, like, missing from Halo 4, just, like, inexplicably? I wonder if they're going to bring that stuff back. And then stuff like how in Halo 4, remember how it's like you would run over the flag and you would pick it up automatically and you couldn't drop it? Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder if they're still going to keep that. Because yeah. like, that wasn't something that I hated in Halo 4. It's interesting. It's yeah. a it's a weird change. Yeah, I don't know. I think those modes could work. Um, I do think the choice of maps for this beta, as you say, was very focused on small yeah, team Slayer. Yeah. And uh, these maps were so focused on... The main two from the beginning were so focused on that arena circular element that I don't think they worked well for the tactical mode, mm-hmm. um, the territories kind of mode. Yeah. Uh, I think you want a slightly different map for that that's maybe a little more dynamic and shifted up with more clearer areas for the two teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot I want to wait and judge when the full game yeah. comes out, and I am super excited for the full game. Like, yeah, yeah. 
I think campaign could be really great with some of this stuff. Yeah, especially because like I feel like all the the movement abilities when you're like out of this highly competitive environment and you don't care about like how well you do. Like I think like you know having this weird brown pound and like shoulder dash thing, those can work because they're cool. Like I do appreciate what those add to the game in terms of like you know you are this dude in like this like huge you're like this eight foot tall fucking giant in cybernetic super armor. Like, you should have all these cool gadgets that, like, these little boosters and shit. And you should be able to certainly run. Like, like that logically makes sense, and I appreciate that, like, what that adds. But when you're in this, like, super highly competitive game type, like, I can't be bothered with that. Like, I don't, like, care. Like, I just want, like... I agree. I want to get mine, you know? Like, but in a campaign setting, I think that stuff could be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So... We'll definitely talk more of this about yeah. this as it unfolds, and I'm really Halo Five is one of the games I'm looking forward to most this year. Obviously, because I bought an Xbox One uh, in part to play it, so yeah, yeah, definitely looking forward to all that. For now, let's go ahead and get into our main topic: the current state of the new generation consoles, which yes. I think is the easiest way to call it right now yeah. because current gen people still might get confused, but whatever. Um, so and there are no other consoles on the horizon, so yeah, these have to be the new generation consoles. There's they, no other option. Indeed. We're not getting a new end gauge? No. Okay. The Ouya 2. The <laughs> Oh, yeah, the Ouya. What it's happened to that? The, it's dead. Like, okay. Of course, it's like that didn't. <laughs> no, that did not pan out, surprisingly enough. Having. Freeware, like, Android console on your TV. Having the DS version of Final Fantasy 3 didn't save them? No. <laughs> it was like the only thing that the Ouya had was Towerfall, and then Towerfall came to everything else with it, that Ascension version. And it was yeah. like, well, there it goes, like, the one game that people were like, this is a good game, and you can only buy it on the Ouya somehow. Like, okay. Yeah, whatever. All right. So, the new gen consoles, we've got the PS4, Xbox One, and Wii U. And I want to start things off by talking about the PS4, uh, in yes. part because I think that's the easy one here. I thought the yeah. PS4 had a pretty quiet 2014. Yeah, like, I wouldn't call it a like a bad year. No. Like, in the, when you compare it to, like, it was already kind of a lackluster year for video games in general. But, yeah, it definitely wasn't, like, astounding. Like, there was no... Like, Infosecond Sun was a really good game, but it wasn't, like, The Last of Us, you know? There was, like, no huge first-party game on the PS4 that sort of, like, blew your mind. That was really the only one, period, that I think you're forgetting little bit about kind of, this. Uh, no, about the seminal, unbelievable, uh, unforgettable... Drive Club. Drive Club. Team-based racing. Well, that was probably the big PS4 embarrassment of the year. Yes. Everyone had their own little embarrassments. Although, I guess Nintendo didn't really have, like, any sort of no. huge gaffes this year. No. Which yeah. is good. Nintendo just kind of kept their heads down, yeah, did their work. like, we're going to make Mario Kart, we're going to make Smash Brothers, and fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to make this weird Captain Toad thing. They're like, the, there's like, there's two guys fighting in the cafeteria, and Nintendo's the kid in the back. I'm sitting it yeah, out. I'm um, doing my homework. Yeah. I'm fucking, I'm just doing what I need to do. <laughs> like, yeah. leave me alone. They had the one controversy this year, I guess, with the stupid Tomodachi life thing. That, I don't even care uh, No, that. don't care about yeah. that. But anyway, let's go on. Not because we don't support gay rights, because... It's yeah, a... <laughs> it, it was a stupid controversy for, like, reasons that are not involving that. Yeah, anyway. So yeah, PS4, quiet year. But what would you say about the state of the PS4 uh, a year in? A little more than a year in. Like, I... I mean, I guess I haven't really, like, spent... Like, I've spent a little bit of time with a Wii U now at a friend's house. But, like, not a lot to have, like, a big opinion on the Wii U in general. But yeah. I have spent enough time with, like, an Xbox One to tell you that I do definitely prefer the PS4 to the Xbox One just, like, as a video game system. And, like, I think the PS4 is still doing well. I think it's trucking along nicely. There are things that, like, you know, like, PlayStation Now is a service that's, like, not sort of, like, 
amazing, but when you get better games in there and hopefully, like, the quality of some of the streaming stuff improves, that still, I think, has potential to pan out in an interesting way. <laughs> like, PlayStation Plus is still a, a fantastic service that absolutely, you know, is worth every cent. And and then also, you know, it had a little bit of a rocky start with the firmware update just in terms of, like, some games had some trouble with it when it first launched. But, like, I never really had any personal problems with the firmware update. And I think, like, it added some nice... Like, no, no huge, like, changes to the interface. But just some nice things, like, you know, it, it kind of fixed that home bar's problem. If it just, like, if that home bar was way too big before, so it's, like, a limit, like, shortened that down to a much more manageable set. Then just, like, yeah, little things like that, that that firmware update did, like, adding themes and stuff. Nice additions that don't sort of, like, blow your mind. It's a thing that I, I hope that they start ramping up some of those like system update things a little bit more that I know the Xbox One has like has much more frequent system updates which I mean it has more ground to cover but it still is like you know Microsoft is getting out there and doing that for their consoles so I hope PS4 has some of that yeah I mean it's a weird thing because I don't have anything too negative to say about the PS4 but this year I really did shift my primary new gen gaming console to the Xbox One and that was in large part due to extra things like I yeah. wanted more of my friends are on Xbox specifically my brother wanted yeah. to play that more it has more interesting exclusives to me and that's not you know I don't really want to do the versus which one's better which one's not kind of yeah. thing because honestly this is going to be my conclusion on all this I think you can't go wrong right now we've got three really good consoles three good experiences especially yeah. with those main two you can't go wrong you're going to get a good console they're both great that's my opinion but um, I do think the PS4 had a slower year than I think they probably should have. I think they maybe coasted a little bit. Having such success did not propel them to do some things that I, I think they should have done. You know, there a lot of the media options that the Xbox One has at this point that should be on the PS4. That's yeah. silly that that stuff isn't there yet, especially because the PS3 had all of this stuff, mm -hmm. like the you know DLNA streaming and whatnot. And the PS4 does feel a little barren right now. Like you know, just as a comparison thing. We have both consoles down here. If I'm going to do anything media-related at all, I'm turning on my Xbox because I can do more and it's easier and it's a little faster in that regard. Um, you know, So that's just a little thing that I think they could be improving on some of that a little bit. But yeah, I mean, for the main gaming experience, you know, all the good things about the PS4 are still really good. I guess the main thing we could say, though, is that a year after our initial review of the console, there's not a lot new to talk about. Yeah, yeah. That's a good thing and a bad thing. Yeah, like, it's a thing that, like you said, there's nothing really to complain about, but there's also nothing to sort of, like, really praise it for. Yeah. Like, it's still just... It's, it's like, a really solid, well-designed game console. Yeah. And there's nothing really revolutionary about it, you know, unless maybe you consider that it does, you know, put out really, really good-looking games. Yeah. But other than that, it is in the paradigm of existing, you know, games consoles. It's not trying a lot new, but in what it's doing, it's kind of keeping its head down and doing that well. Yeah. Um, Definitely was, I think, on the exclusive front, kind of an embarrassing year. They had Infamous Second Son. That was great, but that was also in March. And for the rest of the year, unless, you know, the PS4 is your only console and that's the only place you're going to play indie games and you're not going to see them on your PC or your Vita or something, yeah. I don't think there was anything inherent about, like, I can only play this here and that's going to keep me coming back to the PS4. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So... Gotta get that drive club, man. Well, even stuff in the future, like, you know, one of the big exclusives I think we're excited for, obviously, is Persona 5... Yes. But I can also still play that on my PS3 just as well, or something like that, when that comes out. And I don't think that's going to be a graphical, boundary-pushing yeah. game that'll need the PS4. But, 
you might would have to play it with the DualShock 3. I can hook a DualShock and, 4 up wirelessly and it will work fine. Well, like, but the game has to be like a cat oh, to for that. So. I also don't it's mind the DualShock 3, though, so... Yep, you know. You're also a monster for being able to okay. tolerate that plastic bullshit. Do you really think it matters for a Persona game? Yes! Okay. Like, immediately... Do you remember how great, like, just you're playing Persona 4 the Golden on your Vita, and it's like a loading screen, and you're just, like, fucking tapping that D-pad, and it's like, oh, this is fucking, it's so good. Imagine you had that with the PS3, and you're like, oh, this is so gross and mushy, and I hate this controller. The PS4 doesn't have a D-pad as good as the Vita. No, but, like, the rest of the, but the controller still feels really good. No, it is a very good controller on the PS4, obviously. I wish they would still do a little more to mitigate that light bar thing. For me, it's still a problem. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't have any problem with it. Like, obviously, I would like the battery life to be longer, but, like, I feel like the battery life is just long enough that I personally never run into any issue with it. I, I do. I keep I, it charged. Yeah, I, I will say just the way I play games uh, this year, I, I, I do run into problems with the PS4 battery life. That's something I do like about the other consoles I have right now is um, I, I just always feel like I'm in between on charge cycles or something. And, you know, there were days, like, I just was thinking about, like, over break that I played Dragon Age Inquisition on my Xbox and never had to worry about that. But there were some days where, like, the gaming sessions I was doing, it's like I would have had to get up and charge the controller and go do something else in the middle of playing this game today. So some of that still annoys me. Yeah, like, I've never really run into that being... Because it's like it's like 8 to 10 hours, which is long enough that, like, I, I'm never playing a video game straight for that long. Like, I, I can get almost there, but at some point I have to do something else for a little bit. Like, I have to yeah. eat, you know? Yeah, I guess I don't ever use it... It never feels like it lasts that long to me, and I'm sure it does. I think the issue is that sometimes when I'm doing I think media, you just don't charge it. Well, it's, I don't charge it enough, and probably also the thing, though, is that it stays on constantly when you're doing any media stuff, like a DVD no, or Blu-ray. Yeah, it stays no, on. It, it turns off like at the same normal like standby. If you're not fussing with the controller, mine it'll, doesn't it'll turn off. Maybe I have a different setting on for that. Weird. No. Yeah, it absolutely goes uh, okay. idle. Yeah, mine does not. Weird. Oh, well. Uh, anyway, so yeah. So, whatever, but... Uh, oh, here's one change, though. Speaking of media stuff that I don't yeah. know why they haven't fixed this yet, when you put in your Blu-ray disc on the PS3 and on most Blu-ray players, there's a little information pane that will show you what the disc is, and clearly the space is there for that on the PS4 dashboard, mm-hmm. and it just hasn't been added yet. It still has not been added. But when you start the Blu-ray disc and you bring up your information pane, it's there. That's a really weird... It's not a problem necessarily, but I yeah. don't know why they haven't fixed that yet. The, the Xbox has it, mm-hmm. and the Xbox, obviously, they're new to Blu-ray. Yeah. I mean, Sony makes Blu-ray. That's just a yeah. weird thing. Like, that's their system. Yeah, I never noticed that. Yeah. I mean, you probably don't put in a no, lot of discs, yeah, but yeah. When I'm, next time I'm watching my Gamera Trilogy <laughs> yeah. Blu-rays, okay. I'll have to pay attention. Yeah. And obviously, DVDs don't do that, for the most part, but I just think that's an interesting one. Yeah. So, yeah. Anything else to say about the PS4? Nope. I, just, I really like it. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about the Xbox One. And I think this will be a longer conversation in part because we really haven't talked about the Xbox yeah. One since I've had mine. And I've obviously spent a huge amount of time with my Xbox. You less so. Yeah. But some time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I really like the Xbox One. I think there are places where it is obviously weaker than the PS4 right now. And I think there are places where it is superior and I want to acknowledge that. Um, I think on a basic usability level for just the basic functions of I want to start up a game, I want to you know watch my YouTube or HBO Go or something, or uh, put in a USB drive and watch some movie thing. I like using my Xbox One more because A, it starts significantly faster than the PS4. Not that the PS4 is slow to start up. Mm-hmm. It's just something that the Xbox has a clear edge on in that department. Um, and I just... The arrangement of that main screen... Um, I don't know, I feel like I can get to certain things faster, and I like that 
that main... This, one of the things about the Xbox UI design at the current date, I don't know if this was there at the beginning or not, because mm-hmm. I wasn't there at the beginning, is that you have this sort of main box that shows whatever you're doing. And when you back yeah. out, that continues and that's there. I really do like that. I think that makes things feel a little more seamless. Um, so there's, just a, there's some seamless integration there that I like. There are other problems in the UI. There are certain things that are slower than they should be. Um, you know, that sort of thing. But, you know, I think they've arranged things well because it's a nice balance where it has a recent bar at the bottom that's a little similar to what the PS4 does. Yeah. Obviously, the PS4 lists out, like, what, 15 places? Yeah, yeah. This does four. Um, but then you also have your pins. So I think it's a nice uh, balance between having your recents and then also having quick access to things that might not be right at the top, but you can get to them just as fast as you would on the PS4, um, potentially. So I like a lot of those things. Um there's little things like just on the console. I can never get the goddamn touch panels on the PS4 to work. Like trying to get a disc out, that is the, the hardest thing in the world, making that touch panel work for me. That's on both of the PS4s I've used, yours and mine. Yeah. Uh, Xbox, it's really nice and responsive. I like that. Um, I think the DualShock 4 is a better controller overall yeah. in the balance, but I really do like the Xbox One controller a lot. I think it's really nice. Um and you know, having done a lot with the sort of chat and party systems and whatnot, you know, both Xbox Live and PSN have had frankly embarrassing problems recently in certain ways. Yeah. Um, but when it when it works, which you can say about both of these systems right now, um, I think it works really well. So yeah. I don't know. Those are sort of my general thoughts right now. I mean, there's obviously the problem that graphically certain games don't look as good as they do on the PS4. Yeah. Though you're not going to notice that when yeah, you're playing. Yeah, it's not obviously not a huge deal because you're talking yeah. about differences of like 720p to 1080p or like 900p. Yeah. Yeah, and usually not even that, as you say, it's yeah. more like 900. And games, there, there's some gorgeous-looking games on Xbox One. Yeah. I was telling you this the other day, Halo 4, the Xbox One version, is one of, if not the best-looking games I've ever played. Like, that so clearly wanted to be a next-gen game, and now having it on the next-gen consoles, like, it's been opened up in a way that just looks fucking gorgeous. So, that's really nice. Um, I have the adapter for my controller that you get, uh, that you can get that you can do the headphone stuff right, in. Yeah. And I really like that. Like, obviously, it's not as convenient because the PS4, it's built right in. And yeah. that's a, that was a really good choice on their part. Um, but having that adapter, for one, it's that thing where the way the Xbox controller is built, you don't feel the adapter while you're playing with it. So it's you can just throw it on there and you don't have to worry about it, which is yeah. nice. And then I like that the controls for volume and chat are right there so you don't have to go into a sub-menu. Mm-hmm. So I like that adapter. Um, it's really If you have an Xbox One, it's totally worth getting. A um, little overpriced. I think it's like a $25 adapter. That's stupid. Uh, I got it as part of a set with their stereo headphones, which are a really nice pair of headphones, and that only cost like 10 bucks more, and it came with it. So hmm. that was nice. But anyway, so those are some of my general thoughts on the Xbox One right now. And I think they had a good year for some exclusives. The Halo Master Chief Collection, a lot of problems, but a yeah. really good, solid, um, something you would want to have if you're an Xbox owner, probably. Yeah, uh, I sure. hear Sunset Overdrive was great. I would like to play it at some point. A lot of people yeah. like that game. I just feel like they had a more clear focus on you know certain big exclusives, but mm-hmm. at the end, yeah, of the definitely. Year. Yeah, for me, like, like obviously, I haven't spent as much time with it as you, and I haven't used it to do stuff like playing media stuff because, like, honestly, like I don't do anything that would need for like cause me to stream to a console. Like, I watch Hulu, Netflix, and Crunchyroll, and that's like everything that I would watch is on one of those services. So that's so like PS4 is. And Xbox One, I assume, are basically both equal in that because the Xbox One recently got its crunchy roll. Yeah, pretty much the same. One thing is Xbox One does have HBO Go, and if you use that, I do right, use yeah, that. I don't and, have that, yeah. So. so. Yeah, but so, like, but, like, that said, I don't particularly like the Xbox One UI just in terms of, like, one, I think it's ugly. Like, I don't like the way it looks. Like, it's so cluttered. 
And I think, and I think there's it, like I think the Xbox One has an issue, like obviously still hanging on of like it's the shadow of Connect, you know, like it feels like that menu was still meant to be driven partially by voice commands because it's just like there are so many weird sub menus and like you just drill down into stuff to try to access like options and settings and stuff, and then it has that weird thing that like when you hit B. It like it backs out of a menu, but it always backs out to like the last menu you were at. Not like most things where if like you hit B, it would like keep on backing out till you got to the primary interface. You know, just like one step back. I will say in daily use that never comes up anymore. Yeah, that, it does. Like it's not a problem that you encounter a lot, but it is something that like when I, I did run into it, it was massively disorienting because it's not the way that menus work. So it was like. So you would, like, hit B, and then all of a sudden, like, it would start loading up Halo, the Master Chief Collection, because that was, like, the last app in, like, a chronological order that you had running. And then, like, I also don't particularly like the emphasis on, like, stuff like uh, achievements and the friends list being, like, these apps that you snap. I feel like, like, they just load slowly, and it's, like, this, and I don't like the snap thing, like, taking up part of your screen and like it like changing the basically the aspect ratio of the image to account for like this weird rectangle that pops up like it's not something that's terrible but it feels really clunky especially with like a controller or i feel like with the xbox one it's a it's a ui that when like like with any ui you can get used to it and i did get used to it and i feel like you have to get used like you have to learn the weird like like where you have to be to hit start to like get what you're trying to get and it gets there quickly but none of it's particularly, I think, intuitive, you know? Like, it's a bunch of, like, you have to learn the way that, like, like the controller inputs for these very specific things on, like, how the, to, like, operate the snap and, like, switch between and stuff like that. No, it's, it's not super intuitive. I, I agree. Definitely there's a learning curve there. But I will say on a lot of these things, and there are problems, um, but on a lot of these things like achievements, once you kind of learn the way to get it to work and, and you learn what you're supposed to do with that... I can do a lot of these functions faster than I could on the PS4. Like, I don't... I think trophies are still kind of clunky on PS4 to me. In that you have yeah, to go like, into I, a, I, the thing I don't like about trophies is that you have to sync them. Like, if that it's wasn't the syncing, there, it's fine. that it's on a separate screen. It's, you know... Because you can... It, it's the snap thing, and the snap thing is really awkward. I wish it was a little more like the guide on the 360. Yeah. But I like that you can bring it up while you're doing whatever you're doing in your game. I do like, like that. Like, I don't mind, because I feel like you can... you move. The thing I like about the PS4 UI is that it's so fast, you know? So it's like, I can back out and get to that trophy like option in, like, a second, you know? Like, the, the thing that sucks is that it's like, oh, I have to, like, sync trophies. Which, again, like, that happens super quickly, but it's like, you just never want to see a loading bar, you know? So, like, the syncing trophies thing sucks... But, like, I just feel like the, the PS4 UI is so simple and elegant and self-explanatory. And, like, they, like, the couple of things that were, like, particularly wrong with it, like how long that bar would get and that would slow down the system, they fixed most of that stuff with that firmware update that I do think, like, like, again, it's a thing that's, like, the Xbox One UI is not disastrous, you know. It's not like you can't use anything. But, like, the PS4 UI, I still think, like, has... You know, like, I never had to learn how to use the PS4 UI. Like, I feel like the PS4 UI is so immediately self-explanatory. It's like I loaded up the box and was just able to go and didn't have to, like... Like, it was like, okay, like, the, everything is right there. It all, like, explains what it is. It's like I maybe wish I could do, like, sort things a slightly different way. It's like everything that's there is completely approachable. It's with, like, you load up the Xbox One UI and you're like... 
I'm gonna have to spend like 30 minutes like figuring out how this works and like how do I sign in and sign out and stuff like that is like not obviously apparent. You know, that's that's totally right. Um, you know, and I, I do like though the balance on just that main screen that you launch into when you turn on your Xbox One between having your just it it does your recents for you and you can get that and some level of customizability with mm-hmm. the pins that are right there. Like pins were a good idea on the 360, but I thought they never really got useful because of where they put them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the 360 UI was a disaster by the end. It sure, was, yeah. It's fucking terrible. Um, or is, I guess, the 360 is not dead. Yeah. Still go play your 360. But, yeah. Um, so I kind of like that. There are definitely some system, you know, deeper system functions that are a little awkward. Like, as you say, uh, things don't load fast enough. I don't know what the problem is with the trophies and the friends list and the party system that those don't load fast enough, but they have to fix that or find a new way yeah. to use it. I mean, it just feels like it's it seems mind-boggling to me that you would have all that stuff be different apps. It's like when in, on the Vita, going into system settings is like yeah. an app like it is for a game. And you're like, this is that's really fucking weird. Like, who designs their like, UI like that, you know? And I really wouldn't be surprised if... When Windows 10 comes out, a lot of this gets fixed. Yeah, it feels like the Xbox One, like, they're just waiting to do a massive overhaul of the way that UI works. Yeah, and I think there are things they should keep. There are some really good things. Like, I, as I said, I like that main screen. I love that when you back out of the menu, there's that box that shows what's going on and continues that. I think that's really nice. That's a little, that makes it a little more seamless to me, I feel like, than the PS4, where it's just, it's a hard back out. And your thing continues, but you're maybe not seeing it. Yeah. I don't know. I, li- I don't I'm have not a problem that's, with that. I'm not yeah. saying I have a problem with it. It's not bad. I just, I didn't, I, I didn't know I wanted it, but when I saw the Xbox do it, I'm like, okay, I do like that. I think that feels nice. Um, so things like that. Uh, on that main screen, when you go into your My Games and Apps uh, app, which has, you know, lists all your games and all your apps and everything, yeah. I like the organization of that. I like the customizability on that. I like that loads nice and fast. You go, it, It's technically, I guess, a separate app, but it goes mm-hmm. right there. Um, and it's just, it's really fast to get to, um, because, you know, for instance, if you wanted to get something like that on the PS4, you'd have to scroll to the end of your list and go to library, sure, yeah. and library still has some organization problems, I feel like. Yeah, um, like, I, it's I a don't little have long. problems with okay. it. Yeah, um, well, that's also the problem, and I say problem in air quotes, because it's not totally a problem, that PS Plus gives you so many goddamn games yeah. at this point. There's just a lot in that list. Yeah, like I'd like, but they do give you some very basic sorting options now. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, when I go to the library, I'm not like afraid. It's not like on the PS3 where you would have to go to that like download list, you know, and like yeah, the store interface. Yeah. Like that was terrifying on the PS3 because it was like this just vertical list of like only more or less like text with a tiny thumbnail of like everything you had. So it was like I which remember, on the PS3 is hundreds of games for me. Yeah, and then for me like because I, I got like, you know, like the special like boxed version of like Uncharted 1 and Uncharted 2 that came with all the DLC for both of those games, yeah. which was a bunch of like uh like cosmetic shit and like avatar or like not but like, you know, like profile items and shit. Right. So I remember when I was going in there and trying to like download something, I was like I scrolled through like a list of like a 100 random like bandana for like Uncharted 2 multiplayer and shit like this like oh my god like like we find something so the PS4 definitely does not have that problem no it does not so what was I saying about the Xbox though at this point so yeah I like that my games and app screen um if this is something you use and I don't use it a ton but it does come up and I find it useful like the companion app I've right, always yeah. thought the companion app for PlayStation was garbage and doesn't really work and I can't yeah, get it to work like right. So much. Uh, Smart Glass for Xbox One is fantastic. And I thought Smart Glass for Xbox 360 was garbage. That was shit. Yeah, it just like was super slow. And super slow didn't work. Yeah. For Xbox One, it's really good. 
it leans on it a little too heavily in some regards because that's how you have to sort your pins. If you don't use that, you can't sort your pins. That's weird. Really? Yeah. Jesus, I have no idea. That's fucking bizarre and needs to be fixed. But it's that is the way I would choose to sort my pins if I had to. It's nice and easy and you just drag them around. Um, but you should have an option, obviously, on the main yeah, screen because yeah. that's weird. Because um, what if you don't own a smartphone? I know that's... Yeah, like, or like just don't have it at hand or something. It's like you right. don't want to dig it out. Yeah, so that's weird. Um... You know, I guess I have to just add your pins in the order you want them to show up. Yeah. That's how you would do it. No, but the Smart Glass app does work really nicely. It essentially functions as a remote for when you're, you know, watching a movie and stuff, which is good because you can buy a media remote for the Xbox One. I don't have it, and I probably won't get it because it doesn't have all the functions I would like a remote to have. But the PS4 has no remote right now um, and no good companion app to fill that slot. So that's still something they could improve over there. Yeah. I want one of these systems to have a remote like the PS3 remote where it's an actual fucking remote where I can bring up my display information and my subtitle information and all those things because if you're using this for watching movies and I know I probably watch movies in a much less casual way than a lot of people who use these systems John, I want yes, those functions yeah. I want those functions yes, that's nice that's but that's the thing if I bought any standalone player I would get a remote with all of that mm-hmm. I don't know why these systems that you know many people use that's one of their primary functions for it why I can't get a decent remote? I don't know. I've, I've, like, I've, like, I find using a controller perfectly fine. But you don't use it the, the way I do for these things. Yeah, but I'm saying like I, I think I use it the way that most people would because I'm not a okay. fucking film major. So okay, I just don't think it's hard. Why did the, the old ones have remotes and now we don't have remotes um, anymore? Like, why does the why did the Xbox 360 have like a perfect achievement and friend interface, and then the Xbox One they put it into dump it into separate apps that have to snap on the side of your screen? It's madness. Yeah, I know. There's... How did how did they take a step back? Like it was fucking perfect. <laughs> the way it was. Yeah, well, but there's been a lot of that this generation. Yeah, weird uh, step backs in yeah. weird ways. Whatever. So anyway, but yeah, uh, I like the Xbox One on all of those levels. and Yeah, like I don't think it's, it's a good console. Like it's not yeah. it's not like a disaster in any way. But I do think like from the time I've spent with it personally, like, re- like regardless of a conversation about exclusives, I think that the PS4 is just like a better, simpler more easy to use console and I definitely prefer the DualShock 4 and I should say specifically we talked about this before but I hold controllers in a different way than most people where like if you picture you have the triggers on the back of the controller and the bumper above it those buttons that I put my index fingers on the bumpers and then my middle finger on the triggers and so I have them both accessible at the same time it's how I've always held controllers that that is not comfortable to do on the Xbox One controller so it's like for me specifically, I really don't like the Xbox One controller. That like, I had like a like extended like three to four hour multiplayer session on that Halo Five multiplayer beta. It was like the bulk of the, my time I spent doing that, and my hands hurt after I put the controller down because it's like it has these really sharp angles that like you're it's you're not meant to hold the controller that way. But I cannot hold the controller a different way. I, yeah. It's twenty years of doing it that way. No. And I understand, and I do think that stresses a point that I want to make here, which is I think the differences between the Xbox One and PS4 at this point largely come down to personal preference. Yeah, definitely. If you you know play games the way obviously Sean plays and use your system this way, get a PS4. There's no reason not to. Yeah. If I think you use your console for maybe more purposes or you want things to be a little faster in startup, um, and if you know you like the 360 controller design, which plenty of people do. Obviously, you know, the, the one is a really good choice for that. Although um, I was like, but I did not have that problem with the 360 controller. Right, right, right. So I'm saying if anyone holds controllers the way I do and is listening to this, be warned. 
Yeah. It's not. It's it's just not designed. No, it's not to and, be held that way. And I I think there are some problems with the Xbox One controller. I do feel some discomfort sometimes using it. Um, but I also felt that with the 360 controller, it's just part of the the bulk and design of these. Yeah. I mean, the DualShock Four is really good, and and there is at least one area where I do like the One controller more. I do like the thumbstick significantly more on the Xbox One. Yeah, my I, fingers I don't my fingers slide off when I use the PS4. And it's a weird thing. Just the rubber and the kind of... There's not a lot holding it on for me. Um, like, I've been playing Far Cry 4, and I've, I've had that problem again. Um, but... Yeah, I don't have that. Yeah. Like, like yeah. Like, I, I definitely prefer the sticks on the 4 compared to the 1 okay. controller. <sighs> 4 versus... It's, it's, yeah. Still, the PS4 has a better name. <laughs> yes, I think everyone can agree on that. Worst name. Wii U or Xbox One? I'm going to say Xbox One just because it pisses me off yeah. the most. Because it's like, there's no real, like, you know, the Wii is mostly a stupid name just because the Wii was a stupid name. Right. You know? Xbox One, there's no excuse. There's no reason for them to fuck that up. Like, it was, they were fucking fine. The three, like, Xbox 360, that was a great name. Xbox One, what the fuck? Especially because now, like, people aren't even going to understand... Now, let alone in five years, why they chose that name because they've backed off on what that meant yeah, so exactly. much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, Jonathan, do you think we should go get a cable plan so we can plug the fucking cable through the Xbox One? You can watch TV? I mean, here's the thing. When I was at my parents' house over Christmas break spending time with my family, I thought about plugging in our cable box to try to try it out. And I didn't even want to go through that effort because it's like, I'll just switch the fucking input. I'm okay with yeah, that, guys. Exactly. Like and it was probably like way more convenient and a lot yeah. faster to like not have to run it through my console and deal with like their guide and shit. Yeah, it's really fucking weird. weird. Fucking weird. Um, <laughs> oh well. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, anything else to talk about with the Xbox One right now? I mean, I've, like, I've, like in terms of like the state of the console, I think it is like significant to talk about how much it's changed. Yeah, because it's like because you don't have a connect with your no. Xbox One. Which, if you remember when they were talking about that console when it launched, that was not something that was supposed to happen if you believed what they were saying. Right. And, you know, we talked about there are some awkward parts about the UI. It's 100% usable without Connect. You don't need to Yeah, connect. no, it's definitely usable. Like, again, it's something that you have to learn. Like, there because you, you can definitely see where, like, it would be a lot easier to use a Connect to do certain things. But you can or, still do whatever you yeah. want to do. Or if they just, I don't know, let you use your headset for voice commands. It's because true, they yeah. could. There's nothing the Kinect can do. Yeah, I mean, the PS4 does. If yeah. you wanted to use voice commands, for, I've never really done it, but yeah, I don't you know could. Why you'd want to. But anyway, yeah. So anyway. Um, yeah, no, it's changed a lot. And they've done a good job changing it. You know, the people who have been in charge of this, I'm sure. I'm sure that a lot of the Xbox One engineers did not have a say in a lot of those early decisions. Probably and they're not, probably yeah. happy to be able to fix some of these things. But it is a t t tough thing where, yeah, I, I do expect that when Windows 10 rolls around, I think we're probably going to see a unified system for a lot of, like, achievements and friends yeah. and whatnot. Because if you look at what Windows 10 is doing, they are compiling a lot of settings things that Windows 8 yeah. split up you know, under one roof again. Mm -hmm. So I think Xbox One might do that. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the changes they've made are good, but a lot of the changes they've made have been necessitated by bad decisions early on. Yeah. But, it's like, it is, you know, very promising that they're fighting to make the console worthwhile you know like they're not just sort of like sitting back and letting it like wallow in like weird gesture control well, wasteland and here's one thing they're doing very well they have that xbox preview program so yeah. every update they roll out is heavily tested among the community of beta testers before they actually roll it out so you're never going to have like a system crippling problem like the ps4 had with its big update yeah where both of our systems encountered the rest mode problem where it would just yeah well like yeah 
Yeah, like I didn't actually experience it because like you experienced it on my system. Right, and I had so, to fix yeah. it. But there's danger there because I had yeah. to do a hard reset and that could have hurt your hard drive or something. Yeah. Um, which would have been problematic and it did for some people. So mm-hmm. uh, that was definitely a problem on the PS4 for a week or two there. Um, so I like how they're rolling that out with Xbox. That's a good decision. Yeah. Um, and, you know, good changes all the way through the year. Uh, anything else to talk about? I don't think oh, so. Suspend oh. mode is really cool. They announced that with the PS4 when the PS4 was announced. They have not said anything about it since then. Yeah. I don't know if it's coming to the PS4 ever. Um, but on Xbox One, that works really well. Not every game utilizes it, sometimes for obvious reasons. Halo just... It wouldn't totally make sense to have the suspend mode in yeah, certain yeah. modes of Halo. And obviously if you're playing something multiplayer, it'll kick you out. Mm-hmm. But like with Dragon Age Inquisition or a single-player game like that. Suspend mode works really nicely, and you can just come right back into your game. That's awesome. That feels like a next-gen thing that I think everyone should have. Because that's what the Vita does, and the 3DS does, and that's awesome. So, uh, the one problem is that in Inquisition, they have not optimized Inquisition's time clock to work with that. No, right, So you have to be careful. What you have to do is, like, do a save, and then just quickly reload that save when you come out of suspend mode. It takes, like, two seconds. It's not a problem. Or you're going to have like 10 hours added onto your clock. which It's like when I was playing the original Persona remake on yeah. the, the Vita. And yeah, every time you put it into the sleep mode, the internal clock would still run. So it's like I had a clock at the end. Because I played that game over like the course of maybe like six months. So it's like at the end, it had like 999.99 on the game clock. Yeah. Like if I played this game for like a year. Yeah. So, but that's, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about the Xbox One at this point, I think. Yeah. Alright, so Wii U? Ooh, Wii U. So, I don't know, you said you finally actually used a Wii U. What? Yeah. I under was, what context? We played, I played some Mario Kart at a friend's house. Okay. Like, this is Mario Kart. Okay. And I, I used the Pro Controller. It's good. a good controller. It's really good. I like yeah. the Pro Controller. It's way better than having to play with, like, a fucking Wiimote. I was yeah. so happy that I didn't, I was not, like, thrown to the, you know, the wolves that I understand, like, because it's a cool thing with the Wii U that has backwards compatibility with, like, a bunch of different controller systems, but, like, oh, God, I never want to touch a Wii mode no. again. Well, what it's useful for is that some of their games obviously have big multiplayer modes, and it's easier than having to buy a lot of new controllers. Yeah. That is commendable. Even if their old controllers are shit and I wouldn't want to use them, that you can use them is a nice benefit. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, for instance, in eight-player Smash... On Smash Bros, you don't have to buy eight pro controllers exactly. or something. Like, you don't have to spend $300 getting controllers together. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, you know, I wish sometimes that the DualShock 3 or the 360 controller worked on the Xbox One and PS4. Yeah. Because yeah. for certain, it's, it would be better than having to go buy a controller for the week I'm playing with a friend or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. But in any case, uh, it's neither here nor there. Yeah, the Wii U. Um, so I've spent a lot of time with the Wii U, and honestly, in the last couple months, as I think the... <laughs> kingdom of modern generation gaming you know just crumbled with different problems and bloated games and games I just wasn't interested in broken online settings I just found myself playing my Wii U a lot more and you know there are awkward things about the Wii U if you want to judge it on the same level you're going to judge an Xbox One or PS4 yeah it comes up short that's also a dumb thing to judge it on it's not trying to be that and I think what the Wii U is trying to be there's a lot of really really impressive things about it um, you know 
just some smart UI choice. Like for one, the Wii U has a nice, clean UI. That's you know, it's just a gaming console. You're not going to use it for a lot of multimedia stuff. Yeah. Although if you want, those apps are there and they work really well. In fact, it's got my favorite YouTube app because you can use the gamepad to type. And oh, the nice YouTube thing. app on the Xbox One and PS4 fucking sucks in its search function because it does that thing with yep, the alphabet the on the single, top. It does It's just like, you guys do realize that there are like built-in keyboard systems on yeah. these consoles that like all these other apps fucking use. Yeah. And you're still making me pick out from a single file line of the alphabet, you fucking monsters. Yeah. So YouTube on the Wii U, best YouTube app on a console. Definitely. So that's really nice. Um, and there's a lot of things like that where it is nice to have the gamepad to just type things in when you need to. Um, but yeah, so the UI's nice. There's some nice, like, smart decisions they've made where, for one, they've over-updates in the last year sped up the Wii U considerably, even since when I bought it. Oh, it's a nice. much faster system. Like, which gives me hope. If the Wii U can do it, Xbox can do it. Yeah. Xbox has way more power. They can do that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, like, for instance, now, if you're using the gamepad and you start up your console, it has this quick start menu, which is a great choice, and it just shows you a list of recent apps, you pick it, and it launches into that. It bypasses the UI, it quickly does your sign-in screen if you have multiple um, users, and it just gets you right into what you want to play. That's awesome. The whole system is really fast, really snappy, you can get to what you want to do quickly, um... The Wii U has had uh, a lot of great games recently, including some from the last year that I'm still catching up on. Like, I still really want to play Bayonetta 2, mm-hmm. and I still really want to play Donkey Kong Country Returns Tropical, Tropical Freeze. Fre- I don't know what the actual title is. It's got Tropical yes. Freeze in Tropical there somewhere. Tropical Freeze is the subtitle. Okay. Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze game. That's what, okay. I don't it's, know if Country Returns was in there, because it is a sequel I to that. I think it is. Okay. I think it is. It, but it's supposed to be a really great game. Yeah. So I'd like to play it. Um... But yeah, um, a lot of really beautiful games. The Wii U obviously is not as powerful as the Xbox One or PS4, but I actually find some of the games a lot prettier on the X. On yeah, because it's got you know like the Nintendo aesthetic design, yeah. you know, so and, I, and it's definitely something that like it really stands out because you know they're not trying to create like you know mimic reality, right? Whereas you know obviously with a huge number of third party titles, it's like stuff like Mordor and Call of Duty. It's like it's dudes running around yeah. in, like, dude world. Yeah. So they've definitely optimized the graphics really nicely. I mean, I'm going to go, you know, play the Wind Waker HD at some point just because I've seen my brother playing that, and that looks... That's one of the more gorgeous games I've ever seen running on the Wii U. Mm-hmm. It looks so good. And that, obviously, Wind Waker was a beautiful game before. Um, just that art style so yeah. great. But anyway, so that's nice. So a lot of good games this year, in addition to, uh, you know, you heard three of my top ten entries were from the Wii U, Captain Toad, Mario Kart 8, and Super Smash Brothers, so that's all really nice. Super Smash Brothers for Wii U. For Wii U, yes. Don't forget the full title. People will be confused if you just yeah. say Super Smash Brothers. Yeah. Which is weird. It's for Wii U for the Wii U version, but it's for Nintendo 3DS for the 3DS version. Why isn't it for Nintendo Wii U? I don't know. The mysteries yeah. of Smash Brothers titles. Is the Wii U's official name just Wii U? Like, is the Nintendo Wii U not what that console's called? You might be right. That would be crazy. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, not important. Um, Very important. Let's get to the bottom of this. Yeah. So a lot of good games, and I think more specifically, they've been bulking up their virtual console library. There's still a lot of work left to do, although considering that Xbox One and PS4 really haven't gotten on any catalog stuff, except maybe PlayStation Now, and that's so imperfect and not usable by everybody, that it's a little alienating, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And doesn't go back to PS1 and PS2 stuff still. That's more PS3. But anyway, yeah. So, you know, they've got their NES, SNES, and Game Boy Advance games on there, and that's been something I've really been loving on the Wii U. Um, Those virtual console titles look fantastic, they run great, and 
nobody does emulation better than Nintendo because you have this emulation menu you can bring up where you can create save states, do your restore points, you can customize the controls infinitely. It just shows you the list of buttons you can customize and says, what do you want to map it to on the SNES controller or the Game Boy Advance controller? And go to your heart's content. If you want to make the start button jump, you can do that. You can do that's whatever what I've you want. always wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really nice. Can I just assign every single input to the start button? So when I just hit the start button, my like the player just like freaks out. He's like jumps and is moving everywhere and hits yeah. and stuff. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. And the the Game Boy Advance library they've been putting up there in specifics is a phenomenal virtual console library. So many great games. And I would have thought that was stupid putting Game Boy Advance games on the Wii U. It's like why aren't you putting them on the three DS? Except I have Game Boy Advance games on the three DS and Wii U and they look and run better on the Wii U. I don't know what it is. They well, made I mean, of look, course, I mean, they yeah. would. Yeah. They just it's, it's still kind of stupid just from the perspective that they are handheld games. games. Yeah. yeah. Presumably you'd want on a handheld system. Yeah, kind of. But, you know, I played uh, the original GBA Fire Emblem, American Fire Emblem, yeah. on, you know, Virtual Console on the Wii U and had so much fun. It looked great on the big screen. You have to get past a little bit of the pixelation because yeah, that's there. Sure. Yeah. But... Good graphics hold up at whatever size, and these hold up, and it was really fun to play it there. In fact, I kind of like being able to play Fire Emblem in that context, because that's a game where you sometimes have to settle in for long play sessions. Sure, yeah. Uh, same with Advance Wars, I've been playing that. That's a good fucking game. You ever play Advance Wars? A little bit. Like, I never really yeah. got into it. It's good. It's like Fire Emblem, but a lot more complex in certain systems, but without some of that narrative side. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I don't like it as much as Fire Emblem, because Fire Emblem is Fire Emblem, yeah. but... Advanced Wars is really good. Anyway, so that's all really nice. Um, you know, I think the gamepad is still an imperfect controller if you want to just kind of play a game seriously. It works for some things. That's how you have to play like Captain Toad, and that's fine, and they integrate things, you know, decently there. Um, my biggest problem with the gamepad is that my fingers are so far apart because that screen is so big that my hand-eye coordination goes down, like using the two sticks and buttons. Which is tragic for you because it's already terrible, so... I shouldn't have said it. Anyway, so, but, the Pro Controller is awesome. They've improved some things. You can now control the eShop with your Pro Controller. That's nice. I didn't even know that you couldn't do that. Yeah. That's like when you would boot up the Wii and just wanted to play stuff, like, like Ocarina of Time on the Virtual Console on the Wii, but you couldn't go through the menu with a GameCube controller, so you'd have to go find a Wiimote to go pick the fucking option, and yeah. your Wiimote battery would die constantly. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Wii stuff, um, yeah. they have, this is nice and really promising for the state of Virtual Console, this month they've started adding Wii titles that you can just download through the eShop for mm. super reasonable prices. Like, they're going to have Super Mario Galaxy 2, that's out right now, uh, the Punch-Out Wii title, which I've never played, apparently was good, and then Metroid Prime Trilogy, oh, which nice. is yeah. mind-boggling to me that they're putting that out, because Nintendo never releases their archive titles and remakes yeah. like that. And if you don't know, Metroid Prime Trilogy, the Wii version, which I have the actual physical steelbook and disc of, so I don't need to buy the digital version, but that lists on eBay for like 100 bucks. Yeah, now you're because gonna... they didn't print a whole lot no. of those games. So. And now you can get it for 20 and in the first week you'll be able to get it for nine ninety nine. Jeez, that's really good. That's deal. a phenomenal deal. I mean, all of the prices at the Wii U eShop I think are really good. I mean, regular retail games are what they cost, but yeah, yeah. other than that, like virtual console stuff, all a good deal. Um, and that makes me, and they've said they're bringing lots more Wii games over. If it doesn't require the Wiimote and Nunchuck, you can control it with the GamePad or Pro Controller. Yeah. Now, none of these games so far do that. Super Mario Galaxy is a Wiimote game. Metroid Prime obviously is. But um, what in Super Mario Galaxy do you need the Wiimote for? 
like actually it's, needed for, not something that you could just like assign to a button because it's just like a binary input. You don't, but it would require a significant amount of recoding to to fix all that. It would essentially be a remake to fix a lot of those things, or some big. Emulation. Like like what what do you use like 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 waggling? Um, it's for? waggling the controller is for his attack, one of his attacks. It's like he moves, and then also you pick up the the big thing is that there's it constantly shows your cursor on screen because all of those little starites that come out, those little oh, pebbles, right, yeah. you pick those up with the Wii mode. I would like them to do some version of the game where you could just control it with the controller. I'd like them to do that for Metroid Prime Trilogy as well. That's not in the cards right now. These are just... You're basically getting the disc digitally, which yeah. is good. I mean, that's not a problem. Yeah. And you don't have to launch into Wii mode with these, um, which almost made me buy Super Mario Galaxy 2 digitally until I realized, well, it's I can launch into Wii U mode or Wii mode and save the money. That's okay. It's not that much I don't know. That's, that's, I, would, I would pay money to never have to see the Wii user interface again. It's fine if you're just launching a Wii game and you're already going to have to use the Wii mode and nunchuck. Definitely if they put out a game like... Uh, new Super Mario Bros. Wii, which you could use the classic controller for, and I would right. now be able to control on the gamepad. I will buy that digitally if they do that. That would be great to not have to launch the Wii mode for that. But in any case, so there's... And hopefully that also means, because a lot of people were speculating that now that they've confirmed that Wii games that were able to use the classic controller, you'll be able to use the Wii U controllers for... Um, that makes a lot of people think they're finally going to bring the N64 games over, which would be great. Yeah. Um, because that's the annoying thing, is if I want to play Super Mario 64, I have to start with the gamepad, I have to get out my Wiimote, I have to launch into Wiimote, start Super Mario 64, then plug in my old classic controller, which is not a very good controller, and then I can play Super Mario 64. That's too many steps. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's mess. And And they don't look all that good. I'd like them to bring all that over, because a lot of good N64 games be good to have yes. those. And, you know, that is the thing I think that could really start setting Wii U apart even more, is if they really got serious about Virtual Console and started bringing over more SNES games, more GBA games, more um, GameCube titles, and they have none, that would, yeah. they really should be doing that, and N64, and then maybe doing some cross-buy with the uh, 3DS. Yeah. But in any case, so that's all good. Definitely, I think there's just a lot going for the Wii U, and if you like Nintendo games... You should own it. It's a really good yeah, console. Yeah, obviously, like that's because it's the Wii U is the same as every Nintendo console since the N sixty four, including the N sixty four. Is that if you want to play Nintendo games, idiot, get the Nintendo console. Yeah, but if you are not especially interested in Nintendo games, don't get the Nintendo console because that's the only thing to play on it. With now, with like the asterisk of well, Bayonetta two's on there too, right? And, you know, I, I think this is, at this point in its lifespan, a more accomplished console than a lot of the ones since the N64. It's got, a, you know, better main controller options than the N64 did. It's got... The GameCube had a good controller, but I it doesn't hold up now to me. Yeah. And a lot of people argue on that, but they're nostalgic now. I don't, now, I don't so that's like weird. the GameCube no. controller. It was fine in the I day. Didn't. It doesn't work now. I didn't like it like back in, in the day okay. either. Yeah, that so anyway. C stick. Yeah, it's weird. The C stick was awful. You know, the Pro Controller for the Wii U is the best controller Nintendo's ever had. Yeah. Obviously, the SNES was better relative to what it accomplished in its time, but I'm talking outside yeah, yeah. of that. Yeah. I wouldn't want to play a SNES game with a SNES controller anymore, let's be honest. I want a better, more responsive D-pad and mm -hmm. buttons and whatnot. So, you know, that's all good. It's, you know, like I said, super quick console, beautiful games, nice eShop design, lots of good stuff going on there. Um, and, you know, they're supporting it really well. The sheer number of games they're pumping into this system in this coming, you know, 2015 is crazy. And I'm excited for a lot of them, and hopefully they'll be ramping up Virtual Console Service too. 
being the underdog here has made Nintendo be a little more responsive and, mm -hmm. you know... I mean, compared to the Wii, which was always a clusterfuck. The Wii had some great games, yeah. but you always kind of had to fight the system to play them. You, that's not the case with the Wii U, yeah. for the most part. I'm sure there's the stray bad game you could find, like Nintendo Land or something, where you have to use Wiimotes and shit. And yeah, fuck yeah. it, you don't have to play it. The good games don't require that, so... That's all it's nice. also another in the like long line of now tradition of Nintendo building some kind of gimmick into their new system and then by and large abandoning it with like a couple of titles thrown in this like 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 Captain Toad of like well you could there's some stuff and you're like cool I think the game yeah man the gamepad's a tough thing to know what to say about because I still think there are ways they could use it like I do sometimes like just being able to like lay in bed or something and play one of my GBA games or even a full Wii U game on that thing mm -hmm. and it's that's not the problem that we talked about streaming games earlier since it's all baked into the system yeah yeah it works really well it's not the way maybe the optimal way to play it because obviously your TV looks a lot better mm -hmm. but the Wii U gamepad by no means looks looks bad and you can control everything and it's nice it's it's not my favorite way of controlling things but you know um from what I've seen of like Legend of Zelda Wind Waker HD, it's really nice having all your menus and stuff really easily accessible on that yeah. second screen. I will. I think the new Legend of Zelda game that may or may not be coming out this year could be the real test of that gamepad to see if we could really build a big, complex game that could use that in a nice supplemental way. Yeah. Um, but as you say, it is that thing where ultimately it's not all that useful. And it's like the 3D on the 3DS. It's just like. Which apparently it's is like the Wiimote on the Wii. It's yeah. like after the first like like Wii Sports, it's like okay, there's some like everything is just basically a binary waggle control that yeah. uses it because the controller sucks. Yeah. To be fair about the 3D, it does sound like the new 3DS has fixed that to a degree that people are using it a lot more. So I'm gonna be interested in that. Well, yeah, but like since like I don't like know if like the games are gonna necessarily be designed around it in like no. a way that I think they were kind of hoping for initially. Yeah. Well, to be fair, though, while the 3DS few games are designed around it, most games do have a good 3D effect that if you like that, um, is good to play with. I don't particularly like it. It kind of hurts my eyes. Mm -hmm. But that's, to be fair, is true of all 3D in theaters, on TVs, whatever. Um, so in we'll real see. life. <laughs> yeah, in real life. I keep one eye closed everywhere I go. Yeah. I wear an eye patch. You can only handle two-dimensional images. It's really weird. Maybe that's why I feel awkward saying my name. It's because I'm wearing an eye patch while I do it. <laughs> Sure. I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway. And then their other big thing this year with the Wii U is they've added Amiibos. Oh, yeah. The other, that big, yeah. this thing. And I bought Amiibos for this podcast so I could talk about them. I'm sorry. And because I wanted an Amiibo. But, yeah. but, you know, greater point is I kind of wanted to test this. It's an interesting thing. Uh, so far, the main game that uses it is Super Smash Brothers for Wii U. Uh, and 3DS will use it when the new 3DS comes out. So yeah. similar functionality there. And I got myself a Samus uh, Amiibo because I was deep in playing Super Metroid when I bought this. So I'm like, Samus is fucking awesome. Uh, Samus is one of my favorite characters anyway. So yeah. that's a cool Amiibo. And then my brother was having a bad day and I was thinking about buying two Amiibos anyway because you probably want to test out how they work together. So I got him a Kirby Amiibo. And I think we talked about this a little bit last time how it works. But in Smash Bros. for Wii U, um, basically... You you know put your amiibo on the on the gamepad. It's super fluid and works really fast, so that's nice. You don't have to like hold it there for a long amount of time or anything. Uh, and then it loads a character. You can customize that character, give it all the extra moves and whatnot, build it, level it up, and you can use it in fights. You don't fight as it, but you fight against it or with it, yeah, or whatever you want to do. So it's kind of this interesting, like third you know third person kind of character you're working with. Um, 
just it's slowly training this little yeah. like AI amiibo guy right. until eventually it gains sentience and understands that you're just putting it through all this pain to make yeah. it more powerful and then it takes over the world. This is how but Skynet happens. But it's fun. I like how it works like that. Like obviously if you're playing if you have no friends and only play your Wii U alone for one, I don't know why you own a Nintendo console, because they're really social. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, don't buy Amiibos. That's not what they're for. But if you have a friend that you play Nintendo games with, it's kind of fun to battle your Amiibos that way. It's just kind of goofy. But I think part of what makes it light and fun is I like the philosophy they've taken where it's purely an add-on to the game. Mm-hmm. You know, content is not walled behind the Amiibo paywall. You're not going to have to, like, cut off parts of your Smash Bros. experience because you don't buy 17 Amiibos or something. Yeah. You can buy your one or two if you want to have that little figure, which is nice. I have it sitting on my desk, and I just like having Samus there. Um, And, you know, it's fun. And I think there's going to be more support in upcoming titles. I'm interested um, particularly in the codename Steam game, which is the new Intelligent Systems games for 3DS. That'll have some Fire Emblem functionality. Mario Party 10 should have some interesting uh, Amiibo functionality, and there's going to be some more unlockables in different games over time. But I think they're striking an interesting balance with that. Definitely, it's going to be a disgusting cash cow for Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard, you know, there's something unethical it just, it about just, it. It's like, from the outside, it just seems really gross. It just seems like a gross yeah. thing. That, like, if you're a kid, like, fucking whatever. Like, yeah. If you're an adult man, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing with your life? Jonathan Playing games JT what? JL what? Why are you calling John J Oh right Because of my name Yeah Because thing. you have a weird phobia About your name or something You can call When other people call me Jonathan I don't get it It's just when I have to say My own name I feel like it takes too long Okay Jay Okay don't, don't That's terrible Now I feel like I'm back in high school Don't do that Whatever Jimmy Don't call me Jimmy That's stupid Okay Barry no, you're the one who you came up with it. They were examples. I'm trying, I'm they were examples. To you here, okay? Okay. I'm trying to fix your weird fucking complex with your name, Gary. No, stop that. Gary's like an old person's name. Sure thing, Bill. Bill's also an old person's name. Whatever, Samantha. Oddly, I don't have as much of a problem with that. There, maybe we found the problem. Yeah. Okay. Veronica. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> now you're making it weird. Uh, anyway. So yeah, so that's what I my two cents on Amiibos right now. Um, you know, it's an interesting thing they're trying out here. Obviously, I think in part it's while we build the Wii U, we need some kind of obvious cash flow. Yeah, and that's what these are. And we but, have a huge stable of characters that we can yeah. just exploit as action figures in like this Transformers '80s kind of way or GI Joe. Yeah, and obviously it's the Skylanders Disney Infinity model. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But as I've said, it's you know it's not as disgusting as that. From what I've seen, the figures are nicer and of higher quality than either of those. And you know, if you, as I understand how like Disney Infinity works, you buy your base like sixty dollar game, and then to play any characters in it, you have to own figures on top of that. Well, I think the game comes with a certain set right. of figures with like yeah that stuff. So, but that's a little weird. Like it would be, it would suck, obviously, if in Smash Bros. I couldn't play a Samus without buying the Amiibo or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's not what it is. So, but I am interested to see how this evolves in the coming year. Um, but you know, I think it's a weird state where gaming is in right now, where I can understand how if you're not really hardcore into this stuff, you might not understand why you should buy a PS4 or Xbox One now. And obviously, yeah. honestly, you might not need one. Yeah, because yeah, if you don't play a lot of like modern games, you don't. Yeah, unless you want to play the newest games as they come out, there's no reason to buy these systems. But even then, a lot of the newest games as they come out yeah. are on the old systems. And they, or I was going to say, like, also obviously, like the PC is also right. like we're not having that discussion. Yeah. 
So I still think we're possibly waiting for a point at which the PS4 and Xbox One feel like essential purchases. If you like the kinds of games Nintendo makes, the Wii U feels like the most essential of these three systems to me right now. It's the one that feels like... It yeah, I mean, it has the most games, it has the most exclusive games, and if you're yeah. into Nintendo games, it has the best games. Yeah. And I think it also feels like it's maybe settled into what it wants to be in a way that um, the Xbox One is still kind of figuring out. I don't know if I would say that about the PS4, but I'm also not sure what they want to do with the PS4 in the future, because we mm-hmm. haven't seen a lot of that yet. So... Interesting thing when we talk about the state of these systems. Um, I just I feel really positive on all of them. I feel a lot more positive on the Wii U than I did a year ago when I bought it. In part because the further I get from that atrocious setup process that right, I yeah. detailed in probably our best podcast segment sure, ever. Yeah. Um, I mean, that didn't have the beat from the fucking drying machine, so... Yeah. But yeah, uh, the further I get away from that, the better I feel about things. But anyway... Uh, the Wii U should have come with more storage. That's become apparent... Obviously, because uh, it's only got 8 gigabytes on it, or 32 if you buy the more expensive yeah. one, but both of those are woefully insufficient. Basically, if you just keep yourself to, like, virtual console games I th- and just buy everything else on disc, you'll be fine. But sometimes I would like to just buy a retail game on download, yeah. and I can't do that without going and buying a $50 hard drive, and I'm not going to do that. And then there's always that risk that you're going to buy, like, one of those games that, for whatever reason, the save files are, like... Enormously huge in terms yeah. of data, and just like, oh god damn it, <laughs> yeah. And like, god, sa- yeah, like Skyrim, I ended up having like three hundred megabytes worth of saves, and I didn't even save like crazy in that game. Shit, and Bayonetta two is like a twenty gig game. That's yeah. a huge game, and Bayonetta one is a separate download. Yeah, and that's another twenty gigs. So, and so Wii U games are getting bigger. So that's all a weird problem. But at least you can expand your storage easily. That's not a problem. It's the same. All the yeah. consoles right now have good expansion options. Although I like how they all kind of have just like different expansion yeah. options. So it's annoying in its own right that it's like, God damn it, like. We should just decide on something as an industry at some point. Yeah, I think I... Ah, man, I don't know how to decide because I, I like that the Xbox One, you can just plug something in and leave it there, and that's probably best for a lot of casual users. Yeah. But upgrading the PS4 storage is so easy, even yeah. more so than it was on the PS3. You just pop the hood, two screws, two screws back in, Yeah. pop the hood back on, you're done. Never have to worry about it, presuming you had a good hard drive. Yeah, you have to reinstall some... St- that's actually the big problem is... They really need to fix backup, backing up on the PS4 because I did reinstall. I put a new hard drive in, lost all my old stuff, and there was and I had a drive ready to back up my PS4 stuff and put it back on because that's what you did on the PS3. Yeah, they don't have that. You cannot back up any of your downloads to any external storage on the PS4, hmm. which means if you swap out your hard drive, you have to re-download everything. That's awful. That's really dumb. But other than that, it's a good system. Yeah, like I don't feel like. So the PS3, you could, like, back it up to a computer? Huh. Well, not a computer, but to another hard drive. Like a... Like to a... External or an... Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or an internal with an enclosure or something. Uh, Flash drive, even if it was big enough. But yeah, so if you had, like, let's say Uncharted 3 on your PS3, and you were going to put a bigger hard drive in, but you didn't want to have to re-download Uncharted 3, maybe you have an extra hard drive laying around, you back up to that, put your new hard drive in, and then you offload that back onto the original, Hmm. or the new hard drive. So, obviously that would not come up on the Xbox One or Wii U because you can't fiddle with the internal storage. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is nice in its own way because if you want to add storage, there's no risk. You're not losing anything. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, though, if you're running off of an external hard drive, like, that's going to add load time. It could, although I haven't heard of that on the Xbox One. Apparently it's just as fast. Sure. Yeah. If you're using USB 3, USB 3 is really fast. 
Yeah, but I mean, it's going to inevitably add like a certain amount of load time, like okay. if it's external. You get a 7200 RPM drive. I've heard that works really well with the Xbox One. Yeah. And it's faster than the internal. So, in any case, lots of options, maybe too many. Yeah. So, where let's just do some summarizing of thoughts. Where do you feel like we're at with this new weird generation? Um, I don't know. It's just, it feels like, I mean, like both of the Xbox One and the PS4 are fine consoles. It's more of an issue of, like, the people making games are, like, at a weird point where it's like, you know, like, last year was just a weird fucking year because, like, everyone delayed so many games, you know, and pushed back, like, everything to 2015. And then even, like, a lot of the early titles in 2015, like Bloodborne and The Witcher 3, those got pushed back as well. Although, like, like later into the year, not necessarily next year. So, like, I feel like at the end of 2015 is now going to be kind of what, like, uh, 2006 was for, like, the Xbox 360, where that was when the 360 had already been out for a year and the other consoles were just coming out. And, like, Gears of War came out for the 360. And up to that point, like, there was no game that had come out that was, like, a big new title that was, like, really exciting. And so Gears of War 1 was, like, that moment for that generation of consoles. I feel like we still have not really had that. Like, we definitely had some good games and some, like, really gorgeous games, like Infinite Second Sun, but there's not been something that's, like, this big, exciting new game. Whereas I feel like there's several light things like The Witcher 3, like Bloodborne, like the new Batman game, that have potential of being, like, really big, interesting, fascinating, like, really gorgeous new games that take advantage of what these new consoles have. And I just hope that, you know, that that weird, that, that we just had a weird year, you know, where, like, people had to get used to the new consoles and, like, obviously there's an issue with, like, games just becoming very big in terms of, like, their budgets. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, yeah, I definitely think, like, 2015 feels like the real start for these consoles, in part yeah. because everything in 2014, other than Sunset Overdrive and Infamous Second Son, just to name the big exclusive new games. Yeah. Everything was cross-platform. You could play Middle-Earth, you could play Destiny, yeah. you could play Far Cry 4, Dragon Age Inquisition, all of that on the old-gen systems. Whether they worked particularly well or not, you could do it. Yeah. Um, like, and, the, the Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor on, like, the 360 and the PS3 did not have the Nemesis system in it. Which is fucking yeah. weird. Which is like, that would be a horrible game. <laughs> yeah. Do not buy that version of that game. Right. But in any case, they were definitely aiming for all these big cross-platform things. Right off the bat in 2015, though, it feels like everything's shifting over to the new system. So yeah. I think Evolve is next-gen only, right? Yes. Yeah, so Evolve's next-gen only. We've got uh, that Dragon Ball game coming out in February. I think yes. that's next-gen only. Xenoverse. Final Fantasy Type-0, that's next-gen only. So all of the... Uh, Bloodborne is uh, yeah. Yeah, PS4, PS4 only. Exclusive, yeah. um, the Witcher 3 is next-gen only, right? Yes. So all of these big games that should be coming out you know, relatively soon... That's what you're... Those are exclusives for the new generation yeah. of consoles. And that's... I just kicked the table. Sorry. Yes. Um, so that feels kind of exciting. Like, we're actually... Things are going to start revving up and kind of weirdly all at once. Yeah. Like, if presumably we're not going to have... Like, Assassin's Creed is not going to do the split thing again this year. I mean, I guess they could, but that would be weird if they put out a game yeah. on the old systems in this one again. I mean, it's weird to think that I remember thinking originally... That was, like, the moment for these consoles that was going to be that, like, okay, we're leaving the old consoles behind was going to be the new Batman game because that one wasn't coming out on old consoles. Right. And they got pushed back, like, a whole year, basically. Yeah. It was like, uh-oh. <laughs> on a separate note, what is the game you are most excited for in 2015? Right now, Bloodborne, because it's okay. made by the Dark Souls guy. 
and Dark Souls is like one of the best games I've ever played. So, and it just looks fucking cool. So, Batman, Batman all the way. At Batman least also, yeah, on the mainline consoles, um, definitely Batman. Yeah, because that Batman. Uh, it, it's possible that new Fire Emblem game is coming out on 3DS. If that comes out in 2015 this year, that will be it. But for now, Batman Arkham Knight. I mean, going back to the team that made Arkham. There's so many Asylum Arkham games. And Asylum and City. Sorry. Yeah. Do, you, do you get confused on this now? No, too? I'm basically no? Okay. fine on it. It's no, like, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Returns. Okay, anyway. Yeah, Asylum and City. Dark City, City to me, is one of the best games I've ever played. City is my favorite Batman story ever told. I really want to see what they're going to do to wrap this thing up and, yeah. and build yeah. that series out. Um, and it looks like it's a game where they've taken the requisite time to finish it. Yes, definitely. Hopefully. Yeah. So... Like they, unless they keep on delaying it, and it's just like Batman fucking Arkham Knight comes out twenty twenty. Yeah. As you say, I also think we're going to start seeing the graphics gap between the two consoles close this year mm-hmm. because they've opened up that additional core to developers on the Xbox One. Yeah. Now that the Kinect has been given the boot. Yeah. So that should start closing. Like Destiny was effectively identical on the two, right? Sure. I mean, I didn't play. No, but I just from what I read, I didn't play. Yeah, yeah. I think one, it was more yeah. or less identical. Yeah. So. That should be happening, but yeah. So, Bloodborne, Batman, anything else? Um, I'm really excited for Uncharted Four. Like, okay. based on that, like, it just looks like because it's big, you know, it's Neil Druckmann and Bruce Straley, the the Last of Us guys, and so like the the idea of them taking all the lessons they learned in terms of the gameplay aspects of the Last of Us and applying it to an Uncharted game, I think that sounds really exciting. And then based on that like really long demo, like that 15 minute demo they had, looks like exactly that. Like, I'm pretty excited for that, because that was, like, one of those things that, like, I wanted to love the Uncharted games so much, and I did really like them, but there was a certain ap- aspects of, like, the shooting and the gameplay design that, like, always held them back to me, that if you fix that part of those games, like, those games are, like, some of the best games ever made. Okay. You know, if, like, if you, if those encounters, combat encounters were more fun in Uncharted 2 and Uncharted 3, like, those games are fucking incredible, so. Yeah. I still have not played the Uncharted games, so I can't really comment on my excitement for Uncharted 4. But it looks like it'll be a great exclusive yeah. for that system. And you know, Nolan North and Troy Baker getting together again. That's always good. Yep. I'm, I'm curious to see if like the age of Troy Baker continues, you know? <laughs> well, he's going to be in that. They're both going to be in the new Batman game, I assume. Yeah. Um, I know the Joker's technically dead, but Troy Baker will pop up somewhere. Yeah, Troy Baker will be involved in some way. I mean, like he's, he had other voices in those games, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and Nolan North is the Penguin, so yeah. there's that. Um, you know, like, God, he'll 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 show up and stuff. Yeah, he must. Yeah, he, he cannot. He had he had a hell of a fucking year. Like I was like, I remember when I was making my list and looking through the games. Yeah. It was like. He's in almost all of these games, and in most of them, he's either the main antagonist or the main protagonist, and that's fucking crazy. He is the person who had a good 2014. Yeah. Like, we found him. We found the one guy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was fucking Troy Baker. Yeah. All right. So, any other thoughts before we close this topic up? I'm, I'm really excited for 2015. Like, I think... I think it'll be a better year. Yeah. Definitely. All right. So, we will be back uh, next week, hopefully... We'll figure out what we're going to talk about. Sure. I think definitely lots of topics coming up over the next few weeks and months. Different games coming out, different systems, all sorts of things. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess I'll see you next week, Hank. (laughs) 